In the Pits now has a Patreon. Whether you want to get directly involved with the show, have a product or brand you want to promote, or just want to show support, In the Pits Patreon has tiers for all levels. Head to patreon.com slash in the pits paintball podcast to check out the supporter, sponsor, and partner tiers. Opening up a Patreon was a level I could never have imagined getting to when starting this show a year ago. And whether I get a thousand subscriptions or not a single one, I'm still super thankful for all of the support I've received from all of you. Enjoy the episode. In the Pits is partnered with Hydra. Designed by players for players, you can outfit yourself in Hydra gear from head to toe. Have confidence that when you make a purchase from Hydra, you are purchasing a well-tested and well-thought-out product, trusted by several top teams, including first-place semi-pro team, paintballfit.com. I personally recommend their Hydra Black knee pads. Purchases over $100 receive free shipping. Head to hydra.fit to browse their selection and discover the Hydra mentality. In the Pits is partnered with XTPL Events. The Extreme Tournament Paintball League is a series put on by the Lukau family of paintball fit fame that gives the opportunity for players to learn and grow together as a team. Three-man, Challengers and Champions X-Ball, Draft Mech X-Ball, and even U3v3, there's something for everyone at XTPL. Not to mention prize tosses, raffles, and the infamous paintball munching contest. Events happen throughout the year, and the prizes never disappoint. Sign up for an XTPL event today on PB Leagues. In the Pits is partnered with Skull Monkeys Paintball. Equip, engage, excel. In the Pits is partnered with Bem Raps. Behind every mask is a unique and creative player. Tap into it when you order your next custom headpiece. Their Build a Band lets you communicate with them one-on-one to make your order just the way you want, all the way down to the color of the stitch. Check out their Instagram at Bem Raps for drops and build videos of them working on orders. They offer very competitive pricing, so reach out today to get started on your own one-of-a-kind headpiece. In the Pits is partnered with Uno's Jerky. Made right here in the state of Texas by J.C. Lamon, Uno's has some of the best-tasting jerky around, and each flavor has ties back to Texas paintball. I personally recommend the Texas Titan flavor. Head to unosjerky.com and use code PITS10, where a portion of every purchase will go back into the Texas paintball scene. In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In the Pits podcast for 10% off your entire order. In the Pits is sponsored by FU Athletics, created with a purpose and focused on building a better you. We are a brand that matters in your workout, and every purchase gives back to cancer research. Go to thefuathletics.com and use code INTHEPITS25 for 25% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing. 20% off Get That Shot merch and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message Get That underscore Shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a Get That Shot program team. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite. Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. 
Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning In the Pits. To sign up for a class, message at paintballkumite on Instagram. Welcome everyone to episode 53 of In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast is focused on everything that has to do with the paintball scene here in Texas, from professional players and teams to new divisional programs, local tournament series, field owners, Texas-based brands, even photographers and videographers. Every week we'll have a short and sweet episode with a new topic and a new special guest. I'm Christian Smith. I'm a player for the Texas Titans. In this episode, we are going in the pits with Mike Hinman, coach of AC Diesel and owner of the WCPPL and USXBL. Mike, how are you doing this evening? How are you doing, brother? Doing good. Uh, you might be able to see it in the background, but it is storming like crazy here in Austin. So uh, we're just going to pray that we can get through this show uh, without any interruptions. But if it happens, it happens. You know, we'll uh, pick it back up sometime whenever this all dies down. So just for everybody listening, if the show goes down, uh, yeah, we'll pick it up again. So uh, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, so this first question is brought to us by XTPL Events. So uh, let's start with the most recent thing. So this past weekend over in Philadelphia, you were asked to uh, first you were asked to take over coaching duties for Diesel starting at uh, this event, and the improvement that the team made was immediate. So Diesel beat a top team in X factor in prelims. And then they also made Sunday for the first time this season. So how do you feel overall the team did this event? Uh, you know, I think we did better, right? It's a long road. When you get up to those top seven, eight, 10 teams in the NXL pro division, it's a tough, tough nut to crack, you know, like they're really good teams up there. It's you had guys, even like the Hurricanes, like the newer teams that are top 10 teams that we practiced weekend one down at LAX Paintball. Great practice we had down there with them. I mean, a lot of those guys aren't big, big like superstar names, but their cohesion as a team is just, it's, it's noticeable, right? And For sure. The divisional guys out here from, you know, our league to XTPL to all the leagues in Texas there's something to be said about cohesion, right? Like every year I always say this, if you can keep 70, 80% of your roster intact from year to year, you're going to have a much better team. It's not, you know, everybody says it's a one year, like your team, right? It's a one, everybody's here for the season. Really. It's a two year deal in my opinion, because you need that first year to build the cohesion and the second year to be able to, you know, first event, you kind of pick up where you left off at the end of the year and you have that camaraderie and cohesion that you're working on. So with diesel, you know, we went, obviously, Mark, before I was there, made the decision to pick up some big-name guys. And you kind of went away from that homegrown diesel look that they had years past, right? And you, on paper, you had these big names on there, and you would think that you have a better team immediately. But a lot of times, you don't have a better team immediately because you got to build that cohesion, right? And a lot of these guys, it's not like House and J-Rab and... Spica and A-Rod was there for a minute. Nico, it's not like all these guys grew up in Texas. Nico did, but like the rest of these guys, they haven't played together. And my point of that is out here on the West Coast, sometimes somebody will leave a West Coast team and go to another West Coast team. Or like Archie, when he left X-Factor, had already kind of played with the Dynasty guys. You have kind of a fast forward on that. Diesel, really, it was just a whole new mix all these guys together and try to find an identity. 
I oh. wonder how much of that was like looking at, for example, the Latin Saints. Their one event that they got uh, the finals, their very first event, had a lot of the same big names that Diesel has right now, and they came out immediately, got second place. So I wonder if that was like given all of the struggles that Diesel has had at the start of the year, if it was like a fluke that the Saints immediately made oh. the finals, or it wasn't it, a fluke wasn't a fluke but there are some things that had happened there right hmm. you had a bunch of impact guys that had come over guys even like kyle they had all played together a rod right from he was playing with impact so you had a decent core of guys Corey hall that's with nyx is from down here in southern california so like on a normal weekend all those guys were at victory they just shut down but mouse is out there literally leading the the drill session every weekend like you see teams practicing aftermath. There's pictures of us like five on fives, like X ball practice and in the background. You'd see an empty field mouse would run drills all day with those guys. So you kind of had a pre-made core that was coming in. Silos played good for them with that Latin saints team, right? That kind of helped. And they, they did well. Shorty mm-hmm. did a good job with them. Brandon short this, you know, then you fast forward to this year where you have a couple of those guys like a rod was there for a little bit before i was there but he hadn't played all year right right Lance coming back off of kind of a da- like he didn't really play much last year right nico didn't play a ton i mean nico said something at practice the other day that like he hadn't even opened his gear bag in better part of a year mm-hmm. the batteries in his hopper were still working mm-hmm. was the conversation we were having but you have a bunch of guys that came in this year and some of them were a season off a year removed from playing so that you know i know one thing especially with wc and i'm sure usxbl too the gap isn't as big as it was once was mm. don't get me wrong mouse and jrab and those guys there's a massive gap between most people and them but the pro division as a whole you know and it's, it's not a shot but like fsu notorious they're a sunday team right because you have a bunch of hungry guys that just want to go play paintball I think the gap's a lot closer than it's been is the point to that, you know? So, Oh yeah. And the margin of error is getting smaller and smaller. Like I know notorious at their very first event, like they had three overtime matches and they went one and three and any single mistake in any of those. And they could have been a Sunday team at their very first event. So just the, the margin of error is smaller and smaller and, like for a while, it looked like the gap, at least at the very top with Dynasty, looked massive when they were mercying teams in the finals and semifinals last year. But now it's like, man, there's a top like there's a top like four to six that could all, you know, you could you wouldn't sound dumb for picking them to win the event. Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to not pick Dynasty, right? Because mm-hmm. of their run that they've been on. Yeah, there's a lot of teams out there. Like nobody's surprised to see damage win, right? Like impact, heat, like the usual suspects. Not really a surprise. So for sure. And what? Speaking of damage winning, what a finals match going to one on ones uh, against X Factor and uh, Jason Edwards or is Jason or Jacob Edwards? I couldn't couldn't remember which Edwards brother it was. Uh, uh, honestly, I was on the plane. I've seen all that. Okay thought it was jacob but might have been jacob but i I remember it was the same one that wanted in dallas it was jacob i mean those guys like their gritty ass paintball players right like jason and i mean jacob's a little more uh high strung can be a bigger dick sometimes 
but these dudes like to play paintball. Like Jacob and Jason aren't two dudes. I don't think you got to drag out of the house to go play paintball. They got some boxes of bullets to shoot. They're happy to shoot it. I think those guys are true purist and in love playing. And I know with Jacob, I'm sure he lives for that moment. Knowing him again, we get along great. I have a ton of respect for him and his brother, but he lives for that moment, right? Like he has no problem being the guy. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think it was either verbal or uh, Shelda photos who posted a clip after the overtime point uh, ended in a no point. You just hear uh, Joey Blue. He's like, hey, you want to go win another one? And just that that attitude. He knows he's the guy and he, uh, he knows that no one else that steps on the field across from him is going to beat him in that one on one. So I respect that. Or if they do beat him in the one-on-one, like he has no problem. You know, I don't think Jacob comes into it arrogant whatsoever. He's just ready to go down swinging or put somebody down swinging. And it's all the same to him. For sure. Yeah. So uh, talking about kind of your uh, experience with Diesel this past weekend. So this question is brought to us by Skull Monkeys Paintball. So what are your responsibilities as the coach on Diesel? So like, I guess all of the jobs that uh, fall under you, because I know that Jell Stewart and Greg Pauly are still there. So what are your duties? And then what are, what have their duties become? I mean, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me, right? Like I've got to make decisions and the best guys on the field. Greg's busy with his job with Texas with paint, right? Like Greg does a ton there. It's not like he just sits in a warehouse all day and picks up a phone and sends orders out. Like mm-hmm. Greg's making moves, you know, <laughs> I owned a paint company for a while. Shipping is horrible and there's constantly issues. So Greg was busy with that. And Greg's still there handling, you know, if I'm not there, or I wasn't there on Friday of weekend practice because my kids were graduating. Greg, is ready to step up. I mean, I guess I don't, wouldn't even call it an assistant coach, but it's just another voice of reason and working with fine tuning individual players. So for me, yeah, it, I am the head coach, if you will, or however you want to call that. I've got to make the decision on what five guys are about to walk onto the field. But beyond that, you know, Greg still is heavily involved with culture and what we're doing. And Dell is, I don't want to say underneath him, but he's right there with us as far as like Bell on that pad is constantly recording what we're doing. We have him also watching like this weekend ice was hurt. He popped a hamstring. So, you know, ice and him are working on what the other team's doing. Cause just where those back three guys were was pretty important to zero the guns in. Oh, that's what Jell's doing. There's constantly like we can go back through our match and what we called and he's writing down where everybody's going. So we have an internal record of what everybody's doing. We can go back and watch it, the video. That's what he does. I mean, we have Josh is out there scouting. I mean, four of us on the coaching side of the thing. So that's my role is that. And, uh, you know, Mark obviously put up a lot of money like every owner in the league does and to try to get everybody or get him a proper assessment of every player. You know, when I'm done with the tournament, I go through each guy's performance and highlights, lowlights. I've always been a big fan of one to 10, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're playing for me, how'd you play? One to 10. 10, 10 is great. One is completely worthless. Where, how did you play? 
And it's a very interesting to hear what players say about themselves. And then I, like, I never filter it, right? I think you played a five, dude. You thought you played a seven. Well, how did you, how did you give yourself a passing grade on that? Because if we didn't win, we have done that good, you know? Mm. So just constantly internally critiquing our team. I think that's what probably real pro teams like football teams do, right? Look in Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott's a good running back, but for this much money, we can only spend this much. It's not like Mark has an unlimited amount of money to spend. Right? Like, mm. So at some point, you got to kind of be always taking an inner look at how we can be better. So that's right. So that's are you, I, so I guess with that, are you doing some of the general manager type stuff with the team as well? Or is that mostly with Mark? So that's, I mean, I, manager of the team, like as far as players and personnel goes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's Mark. I'm sure I would have, we all have input on it, right? Mark's not going to say, Hey, here's whoever, you know, we picked up Oliver Lang here he is. You got to make it work. I'm sure Mark's the kind of guy that, talk with the heads of the team i know mark has a lot of faith in the original diesel guys that are there bj and ice and Clanton himself right those guys are all friends off the field as well so i mean mark is the gm he's the owner slash gm of the team he is jerry jones of this team right like but also he's not just force feeding players like when a rod was picked up that was the player saying hey we would like to get another guy and that's the only guy that was really around. They wanted him because a lot of those guys had played with him on the Saints, Impact, Dynasty, wherever. So they made that happen. But Greg's the team manager as far as like logistical side, hotels, coordinating, gear stuff, all the little things that we got to do. Gotcha. So I guess looking at some of the players and like your performance on the field so this question is brought to us by uno's jerky uh so the roster that you have right now so you got nico hyde um clint mark ice bj henningberg andy horvath um mouse spica j rab and shane howe or make up your 10 uh so on that list you've got some of the historically best players in the world but uh, at least watching through prelims, uh, it looked like you very quickly established uh, what looked like a six-man rotation, which was mostly J-Rab, Mouse, uh, Spica kind of came in here and there, Clint uh, primarily as your front snake player, Nico Hyde, and then Mark Johnson. And then I know, of course, BJ Henningberg uh, got more spins on Sunday uh, as the kind of time situation dictated. Uh, and I know that... Uh, Mark Beginski pulled his hamstring, but other than that, you've got players like BJ Henningberg, Andy Horvath, and Shane Howe not getting much, if any, playing time uh, where they had gotten maybe a little bit more at the last two events. So um, what do you see as far as those three players' roles on the team? So BJ Henningberg, Andy Horvath, Shane Howe, and then maybe Ice as well. I don't know how he was playing in practice at all, but uh, what do you see their roles on the team? I mean, as far as ice goes, he didn't really get much time at practice. It was Saturday morning. Uh, he had played a point or two, maybe. And we were still learning the field. So we were just, you know, first set or two on Saturday of a layout. Friday, they did drills, right? I wasn't there, but just shooting drills and stuff like that. Bounce shots, all that. We just try to push push the limit, right? Like really take big bites, see if we can get away with it. And there was that big brick in the center of the field. And 
House was kind of like, hey, you know, maybe we send Ice up there to do a little work, shut down a side of the field and just different spots for him to go play. Cool. So he was running up there clean and he just, you know, he was running up. There was no paint coming at him. He didn't take any evasive actions or anything like that. And he just came up lame on it, right? Like, you you know when somebody hurts in any other sport when they hurt their hamstring, you see that toe straight down, right? Like, they don't want to plant on their foot and push off of it. And that was that. And, I mean, he, we got him off the field. You know, he wasn't, like, screaming or anything like that. He just said it's really tight, and it kept tightening up, pulled hamstring, pretty garden variety. We believe, I believe there's an MRI today or tomorrow that he's having. So we should have more definitive how long he's down for but with a bazillion weeks off until the next event i'm sure he'll be fine shane andy bj i mean this was a tough field you know like it there was you could really have a great plan right whatever it was we're gonna push three to the snake side or whatever you were gonna do the thing is the other team could equally throw a counter play in there Kind of like our first point with heat right we're two on one fedorov blows the dorito side we blow the snake side Thank God Todd calls it because he shoots mouse and it's a one-on-one. Just you could, the best intention and the best laid game plan could be countered and beaten, to be honest with you, right? So this field, it just felt like every bump you made, every, there wasn't like Andy, right? Andy is definitely a control. Like if there's a spot, we got to keep him. Don't let him through this lane. Like in Texas, there was huge lanes on that field, right? You couldn't really push down the Dorito side unless you shot some guys. This field just didn't really have that for us, right? Our snake side had some jobs, but you had to be very mobile to get into that snake and get that three-man operation going through there. So that's, you know, Andy. Shane, you know, tough because he's more of a snake side guy, and we're pretty deep over there. Right? We, I think it's fair to say I got J-Rab moving a little bit more. Like, we got him a little more out on the wing and pushing up because when it's – Everybody wants to be a fighter, right? Everybody wants to be that guy in the snake, trading blows, doing whatever. When J-Rab gets put in a position where it's fight or flight, he doesn't run, right? Like his natural instinct comes in and he plays great paintball. Clint, House, you know, I call them the goon squad, the three of them, because it doesn't really matter who's what, like it's like the cup game. Doesn't matter which one of them's what three. I mean, Mouse is the most powerful single snake guy, I think the history of the sport we've ever seen. Truly believe that. But those three guys are all pretty interchangeable, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this hard, how do we get Shane in over there? Those three guys. And then beyond there, you've got Andy, Shane, DJ. You know, he, he's in a tough one over there too. You got Mark, Kyle, and Nico rotating on the Dorito side. Not that BJ played bad, just a tough side of the field, right? You kind of mm -hmm. static waiting and then going and then waiting and through Thursday practice, you, you know, some of the reps weren't as good as some of his teammates. So on that layout, it just didn't make a ton of sense to get into a deep rotation. A lot of the games were decently close back and forth games, right? Definitely. The X Factor was overtime. We just could not afford and not saying again, I really mean this is not like BJ played bad. Just was, and we're still trying to find an identity. Who is diesel, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the old diesel. It's the new diesel. And it just made the sense to go those with those guys. I mean, BJ is a consummate professional, great teammate right there helping everybody. You don't see the pouty face. You don't see the whispers, as I call them. People just, you know, in douchebags because they're not playing. 
When we called BJ in to play, he was ready to go. Nico got us two minors in that heat game that we lost. We needed BJ to go, and BJ was right there. It's just a process, right? I also compare a lot of it. I think there's a lot of similarities in probably like hockey or basketball, right? Because it's a five-man format. And there's some teams, you know, when you line up with Golden State or whoever that's got a bunch of shooters, if you sometimes your extra center doesn't get activated, right? You got more guards or more forwards on the floor. It's not because the guy's not a great center or it's not because BJ's not a great paintball player. It's just not what we needed on this field. This field with no corner on that Dorito and the snake corner is tiny. It was kind of all in dark week, right? Mm-hmm. You might make a move, shoot a guy, but we might counter it right back, shoot you and another guy and be down the field. So, I mean, I in hindsight, when you get done with a tournament like that and you're the head coach, there's a lot of things that come back and fall on my plate. You know, when we had our talk after we lost, it all falls on me. That's part of the business, right? I replaced a coach. Another coach will replace me someday. It's just the nature of the business. But in the meantime, it's my job to make sure we have the best guys out there. And I stand by my decisions. Could BJ have gotten more reps? A hundred percent. You know what I mean? When his number was called, he was there. And I mean, as we build this relationship and like we started this thing saying this cohesion, you know, BJ earned a lot of points with me, right? Just being a great teammate, like a truly great teammate and was ready to go and a relief pitcher, right? When that phone rings and you got to go in and strike the side out, BJ did that for us. So hopefully in the future we can, that was just a tough layout too. Like I said, it wasn't, I figure on that layout, the best way to lock down that field was from the 50 yard line, right? Like if you own the 50 yard line bunkers and you shot a guy or two, you're in a good spot, but if not, it's tough. So for sure. And, uh, yeah, BJ definitely played great when he came in. Uh, just uh, wondering, so for your coaching style, do you foresee yourself or this roster, could it eventually become a like Tampa Bay damage or an X factor where you're running two complete lines, or do you always foresee that it's going to be like a six, seven-man rotation? I mean, if you have 10 guys that are ready to go and you have two lines that are legitimately pound for pound equal to each other, of course we'd run it. I mean, we had nine guys here. Again, Andy's job was somewhat minimized because there just wasn't a great lockdown spot for him. That, and Andy did great in practice too. But we just need more depth and we need more confidence with the depth, right? And I mean, we're not going to, points-wise, I doubt we win a championship this season, right? Like just mathematically. We're sitting in 10th place right now. We would need those top 10 teams not to show up and us to win every event just difficult right so while we still want to win events this season we also have to be building because mark's not in this for one year right and like i said at the beginning it's a two-year process to really build the core so for us it's yeah we want to win the short-term goal win the event long-term goal build an organization for sure that's we're constantly evaluating and seeing what we can do and where we can be better so Absolutely. You know, so, to answer your question with those guys, those guys have every chance at our next practice when the layout comes out for Chicago. You know, BJ and, could be out there running laps in the snake over mouse. And if he does, he will play. There's no politics. And that kind of gets or into me. my uh, next question there is uh, what are some things that you think yourself and uh, Diesel will be doing during this huge three month gap that we have between now and Chicago to come out stronger? 
mean, guys, you know, like J-Rab, it was out by him. He took paint home to drill. You know, Mouse, I'm sure, will play half the weekends between now and then, if not more. Kyle, guys like that, Mouse will be dragging them out. Uh, you know, I mean, guys know. I mean, it's not like, not like people have to buy paint on the team or anything. So if guys want to go play paintball, they will. If they don't, they won't. I mean, there's probably a direct correlation between who gets more reps and who doesn't regards to who practices more right Absolutely. the lucky guys seem to have also a lot of practice behind them i don't know if it's luck or if it's actual skill set right for sure oh. that or they put themselves in the positions to be lucky Boy. uh so, so i mean I, we will be practicing i think it fit we were gonna go to x factor but i think they bailed out three weeks before the layout comes out or two weeks before it comes out we'll be back home at fit doing drills and working on inner squad stuff and then i think we're in houston at wasteland with heat and the iron men on layout weekend gotcha yeah i know that x factor said that they're or not x factor but i think uh greenspan said that dynasty is going to be at uh in san antonio at, at x factor during the layout weekend so that'll be fun to watch uh question from the chat from ben rogers uh his question is what players uh surprised you at the tournament with their performance I mean, BJ stepped up and surprised everybody when we needed him, right? Kyle Spica, by his own account, has had a rough season this far, just getting acclimated to things over here. I think Kyle had a great set of practices and a solid tournament. Uh, I mean, Mouse, not really a surprise Mouse, right? It's not really a surprise, but the dude's nasty. I mean, that verbal clip from practice against Dynasty where he comes down and gets Harrison standing like – out of the bunker, shoots Marcelo, runs down, finishes everybody off. When he gets on a roll, there's no stopping him, you know? And all the guys, you know, I, I'd say even before the tournament, after Texas, the phone rang. Mouse called and Mark called. And they said, hey, we might need some help. Not be doing the whole head coaching. We just might need some help. I said, yeah, man, what, anything I can do. So I immediately opened the computer up, started watching all the ghost sports footage. And I was surprised by a lot of things. I mean, Mark actually I, in Texas, I would have played him over a rod just going off of the videotape, right? They were losing guys. Mark knows when to fill over what to do. Statistically, he had a better event, right? So everybody, you know, I mean, it's a super I think for the outside world. They look at those names and they assume that it's probably there's like tension and big alpha male arrogant egos it's really not like that justin rabikoff right i mean the dude's crazy smart funny with justin rabikoff because he'll be frustrated about something and you see him try to dumb it down not intellectually but he doesn't want to offend anybody right mm -hmm. like he doesn't want to come out and be like yo you fucked up like right he doesn't want to call you out he's just kind of like hey guys we can't keep doing this but i know it's aimed at you or me or whoever it is there was a lot of, until you've actually been in the pits and worked with some of these guys, you know, once you come out of it, you stop and you realize what caliber of player you're dealing with. So I was surprised by all those guys. I mean, all organization, our coaches, the scouts, there's a ton of knowledge there. Probably the most professional coaching staff I've ever come in on, including the ones that I built, just a ton of knowledge there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Greg Pauly and Jell Stewart. And I mean, all those guys that were already there on that roster and the new ones that have come in, they all have a wealth of experience. And 
I know going back to your point about people looking at the on paper names and looking at the on paper results, thinking that there's something wrong there. I mean, there is a point to it. Like they weren't playing their to their potential. Like Mouse up until this season hadn't missed Sunday since he was on Infamous in 2015. So whenever a player like that is not playing on Sunday, you ought like rightly so you think, Hey, this current configuration isn't working out. So something needs to change there. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of that off the record was probably put on the coaching staff on Greg mm-hmm. and those guys. I don't think that's a fair assessment of what was really happening. Guys just weren't stepping up. I mean, look at the video. Like one guy was just dominating everybody. There was mistakes being made across the board. For sure. Uh, well, it. I mean, they're playing more to their potential now, and I think uh, their result, now that it seems like they've figured out what they need to do or how they gel together specifically, I think they're going to continue to get stronger throughout the rest of the season. And this question in the chat from Brandon Ortega of BEM Raps, uh, he asks, uh, what are some takeaways from this event to uh, continue to get Diesel to uh, climb the ranks? I mean, just tough practice, right? We have to put ourselves, you know, practice, right? Like every team out there, I'm sure a lot of Texas teams, you show up at fit or whatever field you're from, right? And you play every weekend and we play each other every weekend. And I know your strengths and you know my weaknesses. And we go into practice and you kind of already know how this practice is going to go out at end up, right? Like your team's better than mine. You beat us seven out of 10 times. I think for Diesel not being in that, you know, just going down the river, flowing through life. Like you, if you go to the gym and you grab a 10 pound weight and you just do curls all day, there's really no, no, I can grab a 50 pounder and wheel it. Right. Mm -hmm. You got to put yourself in tough positions to learn. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable positions to learn. Like for us, right. Dynasty's going down there. We had reached out to dynasty and X factor. I guess they decided to cut us all out of it. He, you know, Mm -hmm. came through for us and didn't leave us hanging. So we're thankful for that. But, you know, I mean, finding good teams to practice. In the NXL Pro Division, there's 20 teams. We're one of them, so that's 19 other teams. Truth is, there's only five or six grade A-level teams to practice against. Dynasty's one, X-Factor's one, Heat's one, right? Impact definitely is one. I'm sure Damage also. There's only so many A-grade teams, in my opinion. So making sure you have somebody to go throw hands with that's faster than you. You want somebody to really push you, right? You need to get stressed out, tested to your limit because that's where that muscle memory comes in. When you're just had a long weekend, that's when the cream will rise to the top, right? If you're just going out, just beating the brakes off of a team every set, not learning anything. Then you get to the event, you play Dynasty or you play X Factor and they do something completely different. So that's trying to find people that are a good look. Some people want to win it, like the Russians are notorious for it. Their coach will pull up and say, hello, Christian. I'm playing 22 points today. That's it. You're like, 22 points, man. And what's crazy is those points aren't even real points. They have one guy trying something. The other four guys are just targets. I'm like, dude, this is the most unrealistic look we're ever going to see, right? So for us, making sure we play good teams. For sure. It's not a shot at anybody else. It's just we have a great team. And everybody will tell you Diesel's had great practices. We need to get beat up in practice, right? Because everybody's had it. 
every USXBL team, XTPL team has had a practice where it did not go well. You went home and you're like, man, that was a rough, you start questioning why we're really here, right? But then you get to the tournament and you have a great tournament because you were tested in practice. So Definitely. That's probably what we need to do. And uh, kind of on that point, uh, all the more credit to Paintball Fit, who just completed a three-peat, and they're looking like they're going to be the next pro team next year. Uh, their weekend before, they didn't have another semi-pro team. They didn't have a pro team like uh, they sometimes do, where they also get the opportunity to scrimmage Diesel or whoever else comes to play Diesel. They played Division Two team Shut Up or Trying and Division Three team Tribe. And they, you know, even with that, they still mercy just about everybody that they played up until they played blast camp and they won the tournament yet again. So all the more credit to the run that paintball fits on right now. They're looking fantastic. How long has that roster been together? And I agree with you Gosh, again, uh, since division four back in like 2014 or 2015, something like that. It's been crazy. Oh, 70, 80% of the roster intact. Check. They paintball all the time because you love the smell of a fresh case of paint opening up. Check. This field there is out there for them to practice at. Check. I don't know, man. Put all them recipes, all them ingredients together and we make one hell of a cake, right? And I really mean this. I'm not taking anything away from them. Those dudes are still passionate and hungry for the game. When I was out there at USXBL Memorial Week and they were on the third field at the end playing paintball, right? grinding out having those days and that's not to take nothing else away from like blast camp or any of those guys just fit dudes are some gritty dudes right like if we have to go into a local dive bar and it might get a little weird i'm taking those dudes with me right because they're just gritty human beings absolutely so uh enough of the like we've talked about how diesel's doing i want to find out more about you and your story so uh, let's back up to uh, your history as a player, which this is brought to us by Bam Raps. He's a supporter of the show. So uh, how long have you been involved in the paintball scene? And who are some of the more notable teams that you've played for? Uh, 43 now. My shoes off to go backwards. I think I started when I was 15, 16. So what does that put me at? 28 years? 7, 28 years? I mean, just a local kid. I mean, before Airball was involved, I was playing out in the woods in San Diego County. Julian, it's way up in the mountains. They're known for apple pies, and that's about it. Uh, just, you know, hung around for forever. Got on the Bushwhackers. They were a big team out of SC Village. Ron Kilborn would take anybody. There was Maybe it wasn't a team. Maybe it was a club, right? Because everybody had a spot to play. And the first event of 10-man season was always Southern California, SC Village. So we all got our teeth you know, broke, broke in over there and did that for a while. Seven man came out and we went pro that season. I think we got fourth in Huntington Beach with the Bushwhackers. That for another event or two. And there was some, you know, like all teams, inner tension. And I, myself and a kid named Fish, we left the team and we went and Mini Mike, we all went over to uh, Shock Tech, which is Todd Martinez was on after Shock. He's my boy, and I, him and Mike Paxson from the Bushwhackers probably made me what I am. He got me on the second team. The next season, a bunch of guys left the pro team. I moved up to Aftershock Pro. First event was Mardi Gras NXL, the last one they had in the rain, mud, grossness. And did that for a season, season and a half. Todd had gone over to Dynasty. I was at practice one day. It was tough. You know, I've always lived in San Diego, flying to Chicago almost every weekend during the summer. 
And Rennick and them, I, Rennick Miller did so much for me, right? All my flights were covered. My Bruno's car was a crap car was sitting in the parking structure for us every time. Our hotel rooms were covered. It was just a lot, right? I had a young son, Bryce, my 18-year-old at the time. Was, my wife was pregnant. It was just a lot. And when I got the offer to be closer to home with Dynasty, I was Saturday in Badlands, got the call. I was on a plane to Oakland that night, made the team, drove home with them. I got to be home to be around my kids, right, as they were growing up. So that's kind of what I did. And I'm a big man, right? Six one at the time I was two hundred and some pounds. And it was just X ball was getting tougher and tougher. The guns were fully automatic. Mm. It was hard to play as a big guy, right? And as a back center guy. And I just knew my time had come, right? I won some championships there, did it. Well else was there for me to do. And I just, you know, pretty pretty tough critic on myself. And I knew my time was coming. I didn't want to put the time in the gym and lose the weight and be in better shape. And at the same time, Aftermath had been formed when I was on Dynasty. Just a bunch of local kids to play against me, Mouse and Marcelo and all them, to try to make me better. And I knew it was just kind of like, eh, maybe it's time to step back, focus on the kids. We never thought they were going to be good, right? It was just a bunch of local kids. And I was like, I'll pay for the first tournament since you guys put in all this heart. They just kept winning and million dollars later, I'm sure, just kept pouring it into the team, right? Paying for these kids to play paintball. And at the same time, there's always a ton of love with Dynasty. So when the t opportunity came up for me to go back and coach them, I did, right? I mean, I'm coaching Diesel now, and that's 100% where I'm at. But if in 10 years the phone ever rang and they Dynasty needed help, I'd be there to help them too. So oh, I bet. And to I where mean, I am. Uh, even, even with your time coming, like having what? eight, nine years in the pros is a, uh, is a solid career uh, for sure. I had a ton of fun doing it, man. And I still love paintball. I just knew my time had come and it was time for me to start. And I thought I was a decent coach. I think the, a good coach, but also a better, one of the better developers of talent, right? Like can't name too many more than me that developed as much talent for the longevity that I have. There's still kids locally being churned out locally that I work with and helping kids get better. And I plan on doing that. I'm not here anymore. So it was kind of the evolution of it. Yeah. And I have a personal, I guess, experience with, uh, you kind of contributing to player development. I think, uh, back in 2021, I want to say what aftermath had come to scrimmage X factor in San Antonio before either Chicago or some, some event. And our team was there doing drills on the other field. And you stopped, uh, you know, give us some pointers, give us some suggestions on some drills to do. So, uh, you know, we appreciate you still, uh, to this day, continuously giving back to the game. Yeah, man, I, you know, I think it's probably the biggest mistake in, like, you see these videos, right? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I've done some stuff that makes me cringe, right? But I don't think you ever see the lead up, you know, like paintball standard or whatever, like the meme sites will have, like, me blowing up on A-Rod or something like that. But you don't see what led up to that. It's not like I just wake up and lose my mind, right? On the other side of it, we're here to get better, and if people just want to keep doing the same dumb stuff tend to have a pretty short fuse with it but i i think all reality ought to be one of the biggest fans of the game that there's ever been right yeah i'm out we're working with diesel and we're in between and i look over and i think it was team 13 down there from lax hmm. balls guys like they were doing the island drill and we've kind of refined it a little bit 
and I went over and gave him my two cents on it. But also, I'd never try to like put too much telling people what to do, right? Because if you already got a coach, I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm always here, man. People message me all the time, and I just give them basic drills that I like to do, help local teams. I just want to see people get better and have their moment. For sure. And I know like whenever your name is brought up and bringing up those like out of context clips of yourself losing it on someone like I didn't enter paintball until 2015. So most of that stuff is predates my uh, involvement with the game. And at this point I've been in for eight years and like, which isn't a short period of time by any means, but there's so much history that's happened before then that uh, people like myself, people like a lot of other players that uh, have since come into the game. They just have no idea about this history. So I, I would love to continue hearing your story. So what was it like that got you into paintball for the first time? My dad and I, my dad and my family, owned a gun store. My grandfather was a gunsmith. My dad was a machinist. We were up in the mountains of San Diego County shooting, you know, real guns, high power rifles. And we happened to be driving by, saw a guy walking on the side of the road. My dad was a, like, my dad was a gypsy, right? Biker, however you want to call it. He was that dude. And, uh, I don't think we ever lived anywhere more than like a year, year and a half ever in my life. And it was one of his weirdo buddies. And he was a caretaker at a paintball field. And here we have like, you know, M14, all these bolt action rifles in the back of the truck that we'd just been out shooting and we heard paintball and I was like, yeah, let's go check it out. Pull up. You guys are caretaker. I mean, middle of nowhere out in the woods. And I was like, this is so cool, right? Paintball. Like we can finally answer who's shooting who with this thing first as kids, right? And got out there playing, you know, with pump guns and stuff like that. And I think for like literally 52 weekends straight, we did not not play paintball because we knew the owner of the field. It was like his, his, private thing that we had we're out there in the snow in the mountains of san diego playing with tracer pump guns and stuff like that so that's what got me into it and i mean like everybody out here play once and you're going home just replaying all those games right all the nothing better than that first time you shoot a ball and somebody's running laterally and you see that dot just drop into them right all of us that love the game that's a it's the cool part of paintball right shoot oh, yeah. people with the paint yeah, the bug is uh, super strong, and there's there's very few bugs like it when you get bit for the first time, and you just get bit so powerful that you can leave the game for years and then come back, you know, stronger as ever. I've I've seen so many posts uh, over the last probably year or two of people going, "Hey, you know, getting back into the game after X number of years being out. What what's the?" gear that I should be buying, things like that. Like more people are coming back into the game now. And it's cool that they've had those experiences to uh, like, like reflect on so that they can come back in. I mean, the one thing I say to everybody is nobody quits. Just take really long breaks, right? You'll be at the local field and 10 years later, 15 years later, somebody from my childhood comes back out and you're like, recognize the face. I don't recognize the extra 20 pounds or 50 pounds (laughs) we all put on. Because even when we're not playing paintball, we're all sitting back here, like thinking about it, right? If you take a break, your fingers are still moving. You're still thinking about that one. Everybody's got that one game, right? Whatever that was. And it's, I think it's a Northern star in a lot of our lives that kind of keep us, keep us on our path, right? Like for all of us that are lifers. Absolutely. So 
Uh, throughout your nearly 30 years in the game, uh, and this question is brought to us by Paintball Kumite, which is Colt Roberts' training regimen. Uh, so what are some things that have changed in paintball, either for better or for worse, over that time? I mean, there have been a ton of changes, right? I think... I think it was natural for us like many sports to have this arms race that we had and build up to this format that you know the guns were just crazy fast and that it just was a natural progression for the game the downside to it was there was a period of time there even when x-ball was out and guys like me were coaching on the sideline we lost all iq in the game people didn't know how to play paintball right we were just even myself included we were just looking for fast human beings you can make the snake quick, I, up, down, left, right. That probably didn't help the game. We know during that period of time, guys were out on walk-on fields with oblong guns on debounce zero, just mowing people down at 20 balls a second. That was not a good look for our sport, right? And people say it, and you'll see it in like Facebook chats, like, oh, bring back uncap, bring back 15 balls a second. True semi. You just don't realize, like, you know, it's even true semi is not true semi, right? Mm -hmm. One or two of the big gun manufacturers, and there's only like two or three of them, their guns were caught, not like, and I'm not saying like cheater software, but you'd ramp up these guns that were like, uh, not spool valve guns, right? And they seem really fast when you're dry firing them because it kept adding shots. Like when the NPPL had the robot, we knew certain boards from stock manufacturers, it just wasn't a good look. They're fun to shoot. There's a ton of fun between like walking a trigger, shooting 20 balls a second. That's fun. It's not fun to get hit with 20 balls a second, right? Some people just can't take it. And, you know, well, they shouldn't be in the sport. Well, no, F those kids. Those kids are paying the bills now, huh? It's funny how that changes. Definitely. Uh, I think that 10 and a half... Uh, seems to be a, a better balance. Uh, I mean, I don't have that much experience with fire rates. Like I, I came in at the t tail end of 12-2, which uh, going from 12-2 to 10-5 didn't seem like that big of a difference. Um, I think the bigger thing has been just the, the bunker set going from the wall to uh, what we have now with the bricks and the giant wings. Uh, that seems to have uh, facilitated change in the meta more than anything. Yeah, I mean, and that will continue to change too, right? We're not going to have that kit for two more years. There'll be new bunkers coming out. That's part of the deal, right? Every year there's new pieces coming in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can look at it like this. PSP to NXL, I don't think either side has intentionally made a bad, like the W, the wall. I, I think it's probably the worst bunker we've had. But it was made with the best intentions. It wasn't like, well, if we make this bunker, we're going to shoot a bunch more paint. It was just an idea, and then we practically apply it, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense, so we get rid of it, right? And we move on with it. So Right, for sure. I think and there's a lot of people at the top, Tom Cole included, right? It's easy for everybody to just take shots at Tom. So if I had to walk a mile in that guy's shoes, I'd take him off. Like that. Like, I just, mm -hmm. just no way, dude. Like, he, Tom really does try to do what's get best for the sport. I know it may not seem like that, but he, I, I talk to Tom all the time. And even like the last year that I wasn't really coaching, we still talk a lot. And I, Tom's trying to push the envelope. The problem with pushing the envelope is there's some bad idea. You know, in hindsight, there's some ideas that turn into bad ideas. 
people are like, well, why did he do this? I mean, every change that is made from the PSP days and the NXL days, the beginning of the year, even layouts, right? Oh, this is the worst layout I've ever seen. It's fucking stupid. Who designed this? Helen Keller? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the things people say, but then we get done with the layout and everybody's like, that was the funnest layout we've ever played. Just, it's unfortunate. Definitely. And paintball doesn't have a research and development league like the NFL does with the XFL or the USFL or whatever it is now, or uh, with all these other well, major what's, leagues. What's actually interesting with that is Trozen does set these layouts up. I asked him at the event about the Texas layout, right? Because that snake side brick or mini brick or whatever shooting back at the Dorito side, you could run a semi through that lane, right? Like it was huge and it slowed the whole field down. It wasn't that much fun. And I asked Rose and I was like, when you set that up, did you notice that? And he, he said, he's like, honestly, Mike, I saw it. I just didn't. You know, it's not like he's got two pro teams practicing on it, right? Mm. He's got some local kids or some guys, you know, he's out there shooting stuff himself. He just didn't see it playing out like that. I knew when I asked him the look on Trozen's face, I was like, Ugh, yeah. You know, he's like, we did the best we could. So this layout, I know that they just released Trozen. And he's like, I had this one up for a couple of weeks that I was like looking at every possibility on it. Yeah. And teams are always going to try and find a way to play it slow and high percentage and uh this layout looked like there was more action uh through you know you're not seeing two one scores uh which i i'm not sure like i don't know it'd be interesting to get to sit down with him and talk about his like philosophy like what are his goals for a layout are his goals to control the number of points or his goals to see a certain amount of action um you know, things well, like I mean, that. clearly with this one, they wanted action, right? No Dorito corner, mm. snake corners, tiny. You've got the big bricks up there. The 50 yard line was pretty loaded. Clearly they wanted action, right? And even on our match, like we're up on infamous four, nothing. Mm. Our guys are sitting there. Travis didn't want to blow it because he wanted to end it at four, nothing. And the referees come in with the chronos and start chronoing guns. It's like, man, you know, if they shoot 15 balls over and one ball goes over 300, the player's eliminated, right? Right. So it forced us to hit the buzzer and get another point. And I looked at Trozen. I'm like, when did we bring this rule back, right? And he's like, man, we, nobody wants to see on the webcast four minutes of just standing there. So they clearly want action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at the same time, though, I'm sure they don't want to be finishing prelims on Sunday morning. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a tough one too, right? You go to places short of the desert that's going to have rain and everything. I mean, we had a rainstorm out there that was insane. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're all under the tent, and there was so much rain coming down. Our feet were getting soaking wet because it was a sheet of water coming across the ground. We're in a tough position. Definitely. So the game has seen so many changes over the years from the bunkers that are on the field, the rate of fire, uh, game time, roster sizes and uh yet you see the players that are at the top of the game right now dynasty players damage players x-factor players are all of these older players or for the most part older players who've been playing for a long time so in your opinion do you think there was something about the older formats or older metas that uh just bred stronger paintball players or do you think there's another reason why uh, you haven't seen as many younger players come in and push the old guys out yeah i mean i i would say the original psp days where it was very difficult to make it right like guns were so fast there wasn't as many pins there was less bunkers 
you had to be way more of an athlete. Why I said like I had stepped back and retired. You couldn't be big, slow, and goofy and be successful. So I'm sure the guys that transitioned from there to where we're at now that are still playing, like you're talking about the damage guys and all them, they were the cream of the crop back then. And then add on top of that, decade plus of experience over the newer players. I mean, they're just, it's undeniable, right? Like <laughs> Oliver can come back and I don't think Oliver's as good as Oliver once was. But he's still a great paintball player because he sees it, right? He's done this for so long. Any new pro, I tell all these young kids that are coming into the pro division, first year, just keep your mouth shut. Two years, one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk. Why? Because you, there's so much to learn from all these older heads, right? That's a life thing. Young man, just be quiet. Listen to the older guys. Listen to your grandparents. They got a lot of smart things to tell you. Definitely. And I think, I think a lot of these guys that you're talking about, are Archie, you know, Colt, like mm -hmm. Colt played for me on Aftermath back in the day, played for the Naughty Dogs, played for me. Colt's level of IQ is second to none. The guy, you see how his brain, same with Archie, right? Archie sees it and it computes so quick. He knows what he's got to do. I'm not saying it always works, but they know what they need to do. So yeah, you take years of experience, decades of experience, playing at a way faster pace multiple formats and here you are now there's nothing that these guys get on a layout that they're like man there's i don't know how to play this they've played something like this probably 15 times already definitely and it's interesting that paintball is one of those sports where uh like iq and uh experience is uh so much more valued than just uh being young being fast like looking at the finals rosters between x factor and dynasty like x factor's youngest player is meter who's 29 years old if you look at uh sports like the nfl like pick a like for example like the running backs like find a single running back that's that old like most players are out of the league by then uh over on tampa bay damage they've got uh you know chris horn at 27 other than that everybody's 30 or older and paintball is like it's weird because the like the dynasty guys, for example, like they were dominating when they were in their teens and now here they are, what, 20 plus years later and they're still dominating and the next generation of younger players just hasn't come in to take over. Yeah, there's some reasons for that, though, too. You know, the blueprint has been old. Everybody knows the blueprint. All these young kids know the blueprint. There's a million YouTube how to videos Dynasty dissected. The blueprint's been laid out. Problem in paintball is we have people that want to do it their way, right? Mike Hinman said this, and I agree with 80% of it, but I want to do it my way. I want to smoke weed. I want to not put the time in. I don't want to be physically fit. Like, listen, I retired myself out of it because I wasn't in great shape. I mean, there really is a roadblock in paintball. People want to do it their way, and that's the American way. I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying, like, and with the NFL and those other sports you're talking about, you know, there's a reason guys that are winning at the top level and getting the huge contracts are the hardest working guys. They're not the idiots out there that are Antonio Brown that are destroying their chances of ending it the right way. So I'm saying in paintball, I hear it all the time. I'm not going to say who, but there's a player that we were looking to pick up. And, you know, his name had come up and Mouse had made the comment to me. He goes, you know, Dude smokes a ton of weed. He walks fields smoking weed. He's a pro-level player. 
and we get to, we're Thursday practice, the dude breaks out like a huge joint and is smoking on the side of the field, and you're just like, what in the fuck are you doing? And I told him on Saturday, I said, you just definitely played yourself right out of having a chance to be on this team. There will stay, still remain nameless, but he's a really good paintball player, but they want to do it their way, and he's on a lower-level team now. And he's not going to get a chance to go to a high-level team because you know, there's just too much off-the-field antics gets old. Nobody wants to deal with that. Yep, and uh, I guess the the fact of being a professional athlete, uh, just that I guess the standard of being a professional athlete seems all over the place in uh, some individuals' minds. But like, look at the guys at the top; they treat it with the same level of respect. And um, what I can't think of the word, but. Uh, the same level as other professional athletes, the diligence, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but, um, and the players like lower level players, low level teams, I guess they, they maybe are not to the level of, uh, consistency there. Well, how do you get that consistency? Right. Again, everybody wants to do it their way. They, they Mm -hmm. truly believe, you know, I've, I agree with the blueprint, but I'm just going to do this 10% my way. I'm not going to, I mean, you have to literally think of the, like the craziest positions to put yourself in as a player. Like how are you going to beat, you know, Texas, how are you going to beat Colt? How are you going to beat the fit kids? If you're a local team out there and you can't beat it, like look at what they're doing. How can we beat that? Like I said, there's a, it's just funny how the lucky and good teams also seem to be the ones that outwork everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence. Right? Oh, definitely like, not. In our life, in any facet of life, hard work is the only thing that wins, right? Absolutely. It's not going to come up with some idea that, I mean, a couple, a handful of people in our society have, you know, Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, and sold it. That's not you and that's not me. The only thing that wins for us is outworking everybody else. And if you're willing to do that, your road to the top will be downhill and paved in gold. It'll be an easy road. A lot of people really don't want to put that time in. For sure. So, um, talking about your, uh, transition, uh, from player to coach, uh, what was it that made you want to become a coach? Like I said, I had all the aftermath kids. We're going to put them in Huntington beach and PSP Pomona that year. Cause they were both right here in our backyard and they won both the events. And it was like, man, these kids need, we didn't have anybody to coach, right? Like, inmates were running the asylum. So for me, it just made sense because, you know, I, a couple kids became five kids, became 10 kids. Somebody had to keep it together. Somebody had to go chaperone the wildness. So that kind of was what it was. And I love the game, right? I didn't want to leave the game. I just didn't really have a big need. Once you've won your championships, what's next? And I'm, the Dynasty guys want to win 20 of them, right? So, but for me, I just didn't feel I needed to prove anymore. For sure. And uh, your last event as a professional player was with dynasty in 2007 and you coached aftermath you coached dynasty you coached the ironman from 2008 to uh midway of last year which i think ended with the golden state event uh the golden state minor so um we have heard the story at this point of uh mark johnson asking you to come help them with diesel but what was it that brought about your retirement from coaching in the first place players toxic Players. I mean, those same players will blame it all on me. But when you stop and look, 
those same players and people that know the inside of it are same players that struggle on any other pro team or any other semi-pro team or whatever they are. There was just there was a ton of toxicity happening. You know, it's tough for guys like myself that are paying six figures a year, hundred thousand plus dollars for us to travel, do all this stuff. And I got guys that are like, you know, MFing me into the ground. And you're like, dude, I literally used to say this. If I didn't have this paintball team, I'd just buy a new convertible every year. And as you saw by my Facebook post, my 64 showed up today. Mm -hmm. So like, at what point? And I grew up poor, poor. Like everybody says they were poor, not like me poor. I was homeless poor when I was 18, like really homeless. Like I didn't have somewhere to go. I was, had to go, go get it. And for me, paying for a paintball team and paying for my friends to play paintball that are just treating me like, you know, you know what? Like I, that was enough for me, dude. <laughs> we were my youngest son and I, Colin, he runs the paint truck for me at WC and USXBL. We're walking through the parking lot in Sacramento after one of my guys just kept acting like an ass. He looked up at me and he said, you're done, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm done with this. And Wayne that's running the team now and will own the team. He's local. His son plays on the team, Cody Woodruff. He had already said, hey, I can step in and take it over. And I, you know, at that point, I just, enough was enough. If you're not appreciating all this money that I would rather go find a homeless person that needs some help and give the money to them than a bunch of ungrateful punk ass kids that don't appreciate like, a dollar still means a lot to me, you know? So that was enough for me. And Wayne, and it was in good hands. It wasn't like I was walking away and it was folding. It just was enough, man. And mm. the same guy that's done it multiple incarnations of our team just was difficult. I mean, we're friends, but it just enough was enough. So I stepped back. And even the player in question went to Wayne a couple of weeks after I was officially had stepped back from, and the team knew it. I said, well, if Mike's any part of it, you know, I won't be part of it. You're like, like, even if I sell the aftermath name, I will always be synonymous with the aftermath name, right? It just is what it is. I give those guys a huge paint deal. Their sponsorship all comes through me and what I do at my league. I, not, and Wayne's putting a ton in too, but like, who says that? Could you imagine somebody showing up and telling Greg Polly, well, if Mark's still part of it, I won't be part of this team. Ah, Felicia. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just crazy. So enough was enough. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to, uh, I don't remember if we were talking on air beforehand, but just the, how some paintball players just expect way too much. Yeah. I mean, the industry is not that big. Like everybody thinks like we hear these numbers like Nike or outside sponsors. Dude, just stop with that. Well, you know how many, like your podcast, I mean, who's the best, biggest podcast in the game? Spick and Span or Play Spick the Game? Span. Yeah, probably. exactly. And respect to those guys. Go on YouTube and look at how many videos, how many views they have. Not many. I know, like, I think the the biggest podcast in the game has, like, what, like 5,000 subscribers or something like that? And that's... Totally. And that's good. That's great for them. They've done a great job with it. But the other side of that is... Nike would laugh you out of the building for those numbers. Like, like they, there's no way, you know what I mean? And that's, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just us to grow this sport. We have to grow it. We have to retain people. We have to have a better product across the board. And that's how we grow the paintball thing. But to think that like Nike's coming in, every time you hear Nike's giving cleats, Nike doesn't give a crap about the NXL. They don't, they don't care. 
crazy to even think they do. Like their market is so big. They're going after youth sports, stuff like that, where they sell billions a year. Paintball. Most of our guys buy our cleats at the like secondhand rack at the local Ross. Nobody's mm-hmm. out there buying $200, $300 Nikes. Yep. And uh, looking at another uh, podcast out there, like granted, this is a like one of the top names out there, but the Pat McAfee show uh, his and his stuff with the NFL, like he has 2.2 million subscribers on YouTube. Whereas like our biggest name, which is the Spick and Span show who has the biggest player that the, the game has ever seen 5,000. So our, our scene is not very big at all. And uh, that's just- okay. right? We're, st- we're still going to have fun with it, but people think that like, Man, I made it to pro. Why don't I get a bunch of free paint? Because the industry can't afford you. What tw- if if Core GI gives a hundred cases to twenty pro teams at every event, plus a hundred or two hundred cases of practice paint? What does that come out to? Six thousand cases of paint. Let me give you the number. It cost over twenty dollars to make that box of paint. I'm telling you flat out because I did it. It's over twenty dollars to make a five star box. Over like it could be well north with shipping way north so what they're gonna give away six thousand cases at 20 bucks a piece this would be the whole pro division hundred and twenty thousand dollars and every paintball field is beat the wholesalers down to bare bottom numbers they're not making ten dollars a case they're making a couple bucks so there's just you don't have to be like an mba in business to figure it out right back in the day mm-hmm. man days Wholesale prices on paint were $50 to $60 a case. There was a ton of meat on that bone. They could afford to give some away. Now we've broken the margins down so low, they can't. Like with GI, if you have a field and you go to Fman or Poly or whoever it is that you're dealing with, and you say, hey man, how much is this case of paint? $32. Okay, I'm willing to pay $33 or whatever it is. I'm gonna buy 20,000 cases of paint. It's not hard to figure out what your kickback is going to be. But if you go to them and say, hey, I want the Walmart price. I want the low, low of the low, low. They're not going to be able to give you much on the kickback. I know personally, Aftermath's deal is wrapped in the paint that I sell. And I paid more. I literally volunteered more money per case on the biggest MOU of all high-end paint. Not fuel paint, but high-end paint, I buy a ton of it. And that's why they have a deal. If it wasn't for that, they wouldn't have a deal. If I said, hey, give me a dollar less a case, would have said okay mike but your paint's gonna go down to here that's simple business definitely Uh, so um i guess looking at all of your um and i i would love to actually include this question it's not on the script but uh with uh someone with the experiences yourself like there's you're probably the only person that has an experience as a league owner as a pro team owner as a pro coach as a former professional player like you've done pretty much everything so um like moving the the scene and the industry forward like paintball players always say like oh we got to get back on espn or we got to get on tv or we got to have some big name sponsor you know come riding over the hill to come save us like um and talking with Maddie Marshall a couple episodes ago was like, Hey, figuring out what is our definition of growing the sport? Like what is our target? Um, and I don't think that getting on television would necessarily be the best thing. Uh, but I guess in, in my personal opinion, the, uh, a goal, which, 
you know, however big or however uh, far off it might be would be to have professional players all like not having to pay to play at the professional level would be like a, a baseline, I guess. And in your opinion, what steps would need to happen in order to move uh, the professional division uh, towards that goal? Why would we do that? Just if... Hey, check this out. This weekend, I heard there's a tournament in Texas. What's it called? XTPL. XTPL, right? Mm-hmm. How many of those pros are going to be out there for free helping? Um, I mean, there's there's a number of pro, pro players that are going to be playing. Um, just, totally. And I'm sure totally. that... If they're playing, then you know maybe they're subsidized by the rest of the players on their teams that they're playing on. You really think all those pro guys are paying for themselves? Uh, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be negative. I, if the pro division just disappeared, the UFOs that they haven't been telling us about, or Mark Francis <laughs> time traveling, or whatever it is, if they just took all the pros out, do you think XTPL wouldn't go on this weekend? Do you think Bunkerfest wouldn't go on? Do you think WCBL wouldn't go on? That tree fell, buddy. Nobody would hear it in the forest. Mm-hmm. The pro, like the very notion that like somehow this industry should play, pay for the pros. For what? And I, I'm with you. Let's say we pay for all those guys. All 20 teams. They don't pay for anything. It's all free. Awesome. Uh, how long do you want to keep paying $50 a case for your paint to pay for me to be a coach? I'm a big boy. I like to eat good. I eat steaks, <laughs> doggy. I'm gonna need you to pay sixty for that pay. Like it just doesn't make sense as an industry. I I guess I, mean, I, ne- I never said that. You know they pay for they play for free. Uh, the question was they don't they don't have to pay to do it. So uh, I guess like for example, yeah, exactly. But uh, how is that paid? Like looking at the NFL for example, or look at the other like mainline major sports NFL NHL we're nowhere close to them brother multiply the number by a hundred we're still not even close how do we get there though well I I guess the the question is how do we get there and I mean how those major sports we were there before on Huntington Beach when Kingman was paying a hundred thousand dollars for their seventy nine dollar retail spider they were paying 100000 a year to the league. Hmm. Check this out. Our sponsorship revenue to the NXL, their sponsorship, I'm no part of it, has gone like this. Hmm. Cost to operate has gone like this. How are we going to get there? We have to retain players. We have to have fields that have a good product. If the product is a good product, and there's an inherent value in it, people will come back. Why do people keep buying Louis Vuitton purses? Because there's a value in it, right? They'd go out of business. In paintball, we have, and again, we have a lot of field owners that have a bad product. If you want to come inside the industry with the rest of us, we know this. What we really need is new field, and Texas does have some, right? Like Wasteland, Fit, like everybody's put, Fit's ready if they need to to put another field in. We need field owners that are going to put a good product out there. And I'm not saying in Texas you don't have a good product, but like in Southern California, we have like three fields that can hold one of my events. And last year I had like one, one field that could hold my events. We don't have it. We need field owners, new field owners and new blood coming in competition that will help drive this thing. But the very notion that we need a bunch of pros to do it, I just don't agree with it. I flat out don't. And I'm one of them. 
this weekend like yeah it's cool to have and i'm not saying we shouldn't have a big open division i'm not sh saying anything like that but the amount of money it would cost so the 20 pro teams don't have to pay for their own stuff like you said somebody's gonna have to pay for it if fit gets a pro spot this year and that's the model then who jd and sarah pay for it all i'm not saying they don't but like how many alex martinez's can you have how many mark franz's mark johnson's JD and Sarah, like how many of those can you have? It's a lot of money. And I just, I don't think the industry can support it right now. And then on top of that, we're, we need to charge you all more, the lower players. I mean, that's kind of like our political system, right? We need all you to pay more taxes. So these dudes at the top don't have to pay taxes. So I guess to, it sounds like you're saying that in, in that model, the, the finances would have to come from within the industry versus you're totally right but the mm. problem is do the industry's hurting right now like so there's there's two versions of the industry right paint sales and, and but no pre-covid and post-covid because mm. during covid the feds were just handing out free money right everybody gets some free money all the local stores were like in california people's unemployment cards were paying for all this new gear i saw it at apx i'd be delivering paint mini vert invert or whatever like mid-level guns right and they're like yeah those that man and his wife just paid for it with like a unemployment card there was so much free money going we saw a ton of gear sold in that amount of time now gear sales have slumped way down i guarantee you you talk to any big guy that's out there the big companies that make gear they're all hurting right now paint sales are not hurting people are still actually playing paintball but actual equipment purchase way down right now so how's it like i'm not it's not gonna come dude pro team deals pro team gun deals 15 guns that's what a lot of pro teams are looking at right now 15 free guns and with that they're buying a bunch of guns right that they have to sell hmm. i guess not really a lot i guess that my argument there is like looking at for example the nfl like the nfl isn't the football industry uh, like the, the professional NFL isn't really connected to like how many Nike cleats are sold or how many sets of shoulder pads. Uh, all of that money is coming from other things like television deals and uh, marketing rights, things like that. Like, are there like, is there a pathway for paintball to get to that level where it's not money that's coming from within the industry? It's, it's coming from like TV rights and uh, you know, name image likeness things like that i mean we don't even have a free webcast we have to pay for go sports you think there's that many people out there and the sponsor like when maddie marshall does and i think maddie's the morgan freeman of our sport right like he is the voice that we all hear but when he does an interview how many people up there are watching do you ever pay attention to that number because it ain't three million like a couple hundred i'm really not trying to be the like listen XTPL will be fine this weekend. All other local Texas leagues are going to be just fine. But to think that somehow this industry is going to afford it, no chance. Yes, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think outside the box here for uh, other solutions or other pathways. Really, yeah, um, sure. Buffalo which... Wild Wings would love to come in and give us ten thousand dollars because seventeen of our guys are going to go there afterwards. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing it with uh, cornhole and uh, Bush's baked beans. Yeah, because yeah. cornhole is a lot cheaper on the barrier to entry to get into it. 
This is true. Listen, I'm not trying to be negative. I've been a pro for so long. I've heard this so many times. Every time somebody's like, oh, the TV rights deal, I'm like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> dude. Like, it's Dick Clark. We heard it all. And that was in the highlight of paintball when like there was a lot more volume of everything being sold. Now we're down to here and we think TV's coming. And I know Tom Cole and them are trying. I know they are trying. But I'm just being cool. How about this? Remember this conversation. Let's come back to it in a year or two. You just put a big sign. Oh, absolutely. Behind you that says, I told you so. Well, I, I, I don't doubt it, but I mean, I'm, I'm also thinking like, what are the outside the box ways or other things like sports betting, how that's going to come into the NXL next year. Is that going to be a pathway that uh, brings more eyes, which I, I think it totally could. I think there's a lot of us at the top are waiting to see how that one happens and how many feds are going to be sitting there when dudes, when the Latin Saints beat damage or whoever it is. I don't think the Saints are going to be in the league next year. But Good point, but uh, how about I can name some other ones? <laughs> and again, I, fortune favors the bold, and I'm super happy with that. How is that going to help us at a local field level? That's what really matters, because if on a local level, it's not healthy. It will never, the top of the Christmas tree will never be healthy if the bottom of it isn't. And that's the division five, division six, the new players, you know, I've said this in many interviews, like people make decisions this weekend and I'm just not the XTPL. I'm not saying that. But there's a lot of leagues that make decisions on the weekend to pay for their dinner on Sunday night. They are looking at immediate greed. How can I make money this weekend? How can I charge you more money to put it in my pocket to make it? And, you know, this has to be like any other business, right? Like what other business, if I run a league and I run four or five events that I plan to make $100,000 a year off of five weekends, you put it in that perspective, it's pretty unreasonable, right? Mm -hmm. If you made $100,000 at your job, you're doing really good. Like you're doing like a couple percent good. There's leagues that, you know, I need $60 a case, $50. Like, that's just unrealistic. I, I believe that's unrealistic. I see that's where we have growth being stifled. Definitely. Uh, and I'd love to yeah, and I'd love to continue that conversation here in just a little bit. Uh, but I want to wrap up, like, uh, what we were talking about, which was your career. Uh, as a player, as a coach. So this question is brought to us by FU Athletics, who is a buddy of mine, Thomas, who does athletic wear and every purchase uh, you make with him gives back to cancer research. So go to thefuathletics.com, use code in the pits 25. So uh, throughout your career, both as a player and as a coach, do you have a single favorite moment? Winning my first World Cup with Dynasty, the highlight of the game, beating the Russians, probably the biggest moment, right? Like every side of our net was about to collapse. It was a pretty crazy moment. Well, that's definitely a great one. Uh, so this uh, next question kind of gets back into our conversation before of the leagues that you run. So this question is brought to us by Hydra. Uh, so you are the owner of the West Coast Paintball Players League, which is the largest regional league second only to the NXL. Sometimes you pull in more teams than the NXL does at some of their events. So your first event had 141 teams this year playing across all of the divisions. So what are some of the things over the years, some of the key things that you feel like have uh, you and your staff have done to make the league as successful as it is? Live up to your word. Don't take steps that you got to take back. 
right? We're the league that people copy, period. People either know it out there or they just act like other leagues out in Texas don't copy what we're doing. I mean, you make plans that you can actually see through, right? We've never canceled a day. We've never canceled a division. We've never canceled the event. We've seen it all through, even when we lost our ass. Our premier division now is doing really well. We had events where there was four or five teams. And we ate, a, like I ate a lot. You know, it cost a lot of money. But you ate, for us, you know, when we moved the prizes up and we bought USXBL, and we have a lot more changes coming for next season, right? We're mid-season. There's some stuff we're kind of locked into. We don't want to completely, like, it was this way, and now we're changing it here. So what was our minimum amount of teams you needed to win the money in San Antonio? One, you show up, you want first, second, or third? Which one do you want? <laughs> You're the only team there. I'll give you the money. Hopefully you go buy me Chick-fil-A and we call it a day. You just got to, you know, because if not, everybody's sitting on the fence waiting for somebody else to just sit on the fence. Hopefully enough people will pay and we can have this and we can get our money. Just got to live up to it and, you know, not gouge people. There's a lot. Listen. There's a lot of leagues out there that I look at and you watch their numbers decline and you just, it's not hard to figure out how it happened. You're fucking greedy. Period. Don't be greedy. Don't forget what it was like to be a player. Right. For sure. And, um, I mean, buying out the USXBL was a move that I don't think anybody had on their radars, uh, at the start of this year. So you announced that you bought out the USXBL, which, starting with this season saw a large decline and downsizing and they've gone from two fields just to one field they cut out their premier division which was d3 and they've uh you know shrank the number of teams uh for the first two events in division five and division four whereas like previous seasons they were having 20 teams consistently in division five and division four to the point where if you weren't ready to pay for your entry when that opened you were getting locked out of both of those divisions and now like these last two events i i don't think either of them have filled up in either of the divisions so um i know several of the other interviews you've done since you purchased the usxbl name uh you've talked about uh, like acknowledging some of the missteps and mistakes that have been made over the years and addressing some of the complaints that the player base has uh, and I know that uh, myself and a lot of other players listening out there appreciate the like the air of transparency that you're putting out there. So would you like to uh, like go into specifics and name some of those mistakes that you believe have happened over the years? Well, I mean, the reason that there's other leagues in Texas is because what the USXBL did, right? They created the squeaky wheel. You can play, they like, Listen, same with WC. Like, no matter what I do right, I'll be remembered for my wrongs, and that's just the position I'm in, right? But at the end of the day, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's interesting, right? Like the USXBL thing, if you're going to, if people out there, because people are like, why would you keep the name? Why would I run from it? If you think Mike Hinman buying the USXBL somehow makes me do it the way the other guys were doing it, doesn't really make a lot of sense you know what i mean i'm not running from the situation i very well could have said hey wcbl texas has arrived pull up let's do it boys you know what i mean i could have still bought it bought their assets put the name on it but i am who i am right 
Like I'm not going to be told what to do. The industry's not telling me what to do. Other people get told what to do. I don't get told what to do. That's not going to happen. If fields or whatever don't like how I do business, I bet you like I'm the guy that if a, if I had nowhere to hold events, I will go to a local field and say, "Hey, do you want to build me th- I need three total turf fields." How much? 10,000 a piece? Cool. Here's the money. Build me the fields. We'll, you can pay me. I'll pay it off over time, whatever. Zero interest loan. I will do what I have to do to make it my way. So there's a reckoning coming, right? Like if we're not going to keep playing these same stupid games. That's it. You know, and people are worried that like we're going to crash the market or do this. Like we, we have to be respectful to the local fields and what they're doing. At some point, man, you cannot be just gouging your fingers into people's eyes on paint prices. Like, that just cannot happen. So, one way or another, man, one way or another. I mean, what else do people want to talk about? Referees? I can't, I have not seen the old ref events. I'm sorry, I cannot take accountability for just something I haven't seen. But I can tell you this, multiple pro guys, the same guys that ref the other, they ref Bunker Fest, right? It's a lot of the same refs. Job I saw at the memorial event, I, I have no critiquing of those guys. They did a great job. I talked to many of them at the NXL this weekend. They did a great job, uh, truly. As good as we do at the WC, if not better. They just did a great job, I, you know? Anytime you're shooting millions of paintballs in the air in a weekend, there's going to be calls that come down that people don't like, right? It's just, there's so much volume, so many points. But at the end of the day, I know going forward, the USXBL is hiring more and more guys. I paid for more flights or whatever it is, you know? We're bringing talent in, so whatever happened in the past, we hear it. You know, same with WC. We know you got to be real careful with that whole collusion thing, right? Like mm-hmm. if it's at fit and there's fit guys refing and fit teams winning, it's tough. It looks it's a bad optic, right? Same with WC. Aftermath guys have never been allowed to play, ever. Even if they were ranked low enough, they're not allowed to. Because if that guy wins a one-on-one or whatever, it's going to be like, well, because he's aftermath and he's Mike Hinman's guy. Just the way it is. So there's integrity, right? If my 15 years doesn't speak for itself, don't support me. (laughs) Don't. You know what I mean? I'm okay with that. My job is, like you said, we've had a, a, the business that I bought has had a big drop in teams, right? My job is to make sure every team that I have, the 22 teams were at the memorial event, enjoy the event that we put on. And then everyone that does come over or new team or whatever we get in the future that we continue to retain. And same with every league, right? You don't want to be pissing people off. You don't want people to go away mad or whatever their beef is. So we'll do our best job to do that. And if we can, cool. And if somebody, they want to go play somebody else's league, you're not going to hear me beg, oh man, come play my league. It's better. I'll give you cheaper paint prices like other leagues are doing. You know, I tell you what, whatever you pay is what I'm going to pay, what my kid's going to pay, what your kid's going to pay. It's going to be standard across the board. For sure. And looking at the event, so just kind of summarizing, I guess, for everybody listening, like paint prices have definitely been an issue over the years in USXBL. Uh, Paint being $50, $55, $60 a case uh, adds up very quickly, especially when you're playing you know, up to seven or eight matches in, in one event, you know, multiply that by like seven to 10 cases, a match. And suddenly your paint bills, uh, it's not large, cost effective. 
it's larger than your cash prices for winning first place. It just doesn't make sense to do it. I mean, here's a fair one. You play in other leagues. What are their paint prices? Um, this year, uh, well, I, I personally play in Bunker Fest and I've played in the NXL. So, and I'm, I'm getting ready to play an XTPL this weekend. Bunker Fest uh, is $40 or $45 a case of paint, which I know the USXBL has changed to uh, starting with this season. Uh, XTPL, I have not played an XTPL event before. I believe the paint prices are also $40 and $45 a case, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then, of course, the NXL is, uh, depending on your paint sponsorship, you know, ballpark 30 to 40 But then again, you know, they're a much bigger I operation. Is, I think GI is like in the 40 range if if i think it depends on if you're a like the jt all in or whatnot i know there's different tiers there but i mean as far as usxbl goes by what you've just said our paint prices are in line with everybody else's we're definitely Mm -hmm. not any more than any of the other guys right so yeah at least this season this season they are so uh but again that that predates you coming into uh the usxbl a couple of weeks ago i mean it would have whether or not there was other leagues or whatever our paint prices are lower in california than texas has ever seen you would have seen with me coming in this year no matter what else had happened we would have seen lower pay. like there's no mm-hmm. way I, that's 50 60 whatever I, i'm not even I guess my question I would ask you back then is, do you think next year or in two years or in three years, if there's less competition, we're going to raise the prices back up? Because I don't see that ever happening. Right? Like no. once the price drops, I don't see it raising back up. So that's where we're at with it. And I'm not like trying to be slimy or greasy about mm-hmm. it. It's just, I can't I fucking wasn't there last year, guys. Like I, I can't change that. But what I can change is going forward. Right? Sure. And I hear it. I hear it. And we've been neighbors, right? Like the WC and the USXBL and Bunker, all the Texas leagues, the teams in the middle that went back and forth, right? We hear what's happening next door. I don't know why they're yelling next door, but I know there's a fight going on over there, right? And we've heard it. And we just didn't want to come in and step on people's toes. But this move has been coming. It's been coming for years. And it was just when we bought USXBL, it made sense. We reduced. The last thing we need is another league in Texas. We mm-hmm. t- Way too many events right now, period. Like, there's a lot of events all around Texas. So, you know, we thought what we did was the best thing by removing competition. Even if you're a pro Bunker Fest guy, which is totally cool, right? If you're a pro Bunker Fest guy, would it have been better to have WC, USXBL, and Bunker Fest? Or would it have been better to only have two of them? Well, uh, just to be clear, like, I was pro Bunker Fest largely because Bunker Fest was the only league offering Division Three. Totally. So... By all means, you know what I mean? Like, even before we got on, I I totally understand. That's where it's at. You know, the teams have to also support it. I don't know what their numbers are, but was it 10 teams at the last event? I think there were 14, if I remember correctly. Uh, I can look at it real quick. I think there was like 14 and then 13 or 13 and then 14, something like that. Uh, But There's no negativity at it. I'm saying Mm -hmm. people have to the division for, sure. for it to be sensible and how many are paid right now and signed up uh for bunker fest it's not very many i want to say it's like eight or yeah that's eight awesome. eight division three teams right now which that's, that's more awesome. than usxbl has had in many years in their division three or in their premier division like i think all last season there were only like four teams consistently in premier are we dick measuring on <laughs> no definitely we're... not but it's uh 
you know, I, talking about how much money he's going to lose or they're going to no, lose or no, lose. definitely not. It's just I guarantee you at, at the prize package being offered eight or 10 teams for sure loses money. Mm-hmm. So we don't even got to take our shoes off 10 teams, 1200 a team. Cause I know he uses my numbers for entry. Those are literally W every one of those X ball prices or mm-hmm. WC. What's that? 12,000. What's first with the first, second, third is what eight or 9,000 off the top. So at least about three grand. Take out 3% for PayPal fees, take out $45 a team for APPA, take out 200 to 250 a ref, or the field fees. Yeah, there's trophies, everything else. 100% you lose money there. Definitely. 100% you lose money. So if people support it, I'm sure other people will have it. But if people don't support it, why lose money at it? For sure. Uh, so talking more about uh, your involvement now with the USXBL. The next event is less than a month away. Will be July fifteenth and sixteenth at X Factor, and will be the first event with you at the helm. So I know some of the changes that are coming, like uh, expanding back to uh, a two field event versus just one field. I know you're offering the webcast at both fields. Uh, I was asked by uh, uh, Polito to uh, web to be the commentator on one of the fields. So I'll be there both days. Uh, but what are some of the other changes that you're making? Uh, I know that you said, Hey, we're locked into a lot of things for the re- remainder of this season, but what are some changes that uh, players can expect to see for this event? I mean, we offered the bunkers, right? I know the other, the league that you play in came up with the mini X's, even though he actually ordered them and bought and paid for them the day we released them. So another original move, the mini X's I can share with you the, uh, sup air, because I asked, I was like, hey, did anybody else buy X's or mini X's? And he's like, no. And then when I heard the other people came out with them, I was like, that's weird. And he's like, yeah, they were ordered the day you came out with them and announced it. Which way to be. We'll bring all of our WC stuff out here. If people, you know, we're going to have more. I've heard some complaints about the layouts, right? That they believe that they're paint, like designed to be paint heavy. And we're going to make the same layouts we make for our WC Myself, Thomas Taylor, we work on the layouts. We'll be making the layouts of guys. We offered the X's. They were fun, right? I think a lot of people were apprehensive. The big X and the mini X's were very apprehensive about them coming into it. But after they played them, when we did the next event for WC that's coming up two weeks after USXBL, it was like a bazillion to two votes against. And one of the two votes against was like a local field owner that doesn't want to buy them. So it was crazy to see that many people agree that it was, you know, it was a landslide. So and letting the players talk, right? Like I think in years past with the USXBL, kind of, kind of silenced the voice of opposition, right? Like, kind of like my way or the highway. And at some point on the business side, it has to be that way, right? Like I can't give a million dollars away because we don't make a million dollars. The other side of it is just hearing what people have to say, letting pe- people be part of the process. It's something WC has done for over a decade straight, right? Like we put polls up. I want to hear people's opinions. So that's another one. I mean, just good refing, right? Like what else in every league, the other leagues that you're talking about have seen their vendor numbers decline. That is a fact. Because these companies just don't, they're not selling a lot of product at these events. It's not the event's fault. They're just people aren't buying a lot of product. We're going to continue to do great events. So, you know, somebody's walking home with the money. Mm. And that's what we're going to keep doing. And we're going to do it this year. We're going to do it next year. We're going to do it the year after. And we've got some bigger plans for next year. Right. But that's what we're going to, and I think that 
USXBL works a little closer with the NXL, right? Because being in Texas, there is a Texas event. I know next year they're going to come back to Vegas out here, but we've been kind of just left alone out here on the West Coast, right? But I see the USXBL continually working with the NXL and trying to be somewhat of a feeder league for teams like, you know, shut up, we're trying, and those guys all moving up. Oh. You know, another one, there's, I don't play into the politics. I don't give a fuck who you're sponsored by. Don't like, cause I'm, I don't have a horse in that race. You know what I mean? I'm not buy my paint from core because I gave every paint company an opportunity. I say, give me the best price and the best ball or deliver the best ball and the best price. That's what it is. That's who I went with. Every company had a chance. We're not going to play into the politics of it. Whoever wins our event, our goal is for it to be the best team that Saturday or Sunday. Right. For sure. I think we'll see at the championship. We will announce a three man like D six and young guns. Okay. One of the fields because I think you know I like you said about yourself you're a D three team right hmm. we're more focused on getting the newer players in and trying to grow that right and it doesn't have to be a competition with us in the other leagues we would love to work with other local leagues you know like Texas it's a massive state right San Antonio's got its own culture down there with their teams Houston Zone Wasteland all those guys Alice is huge right I mean there's this feel that like Giant and Fit are heads up with each other right how far are they apart like people may play over at one or the other because they're just closer to that area right so for us not playing into the politics listen i like jd i like them i like them when i was just a player going to their field because they've been good people to me that's what it is man and i'm gonna you know jd gave my son free knee pads that means a lot right they gave my whole aftermath team but jd was a genuine dude and after he did, like I sent him a picture of my kid's gear bag with the Hydra knee pads, and they're, I think, the best knee pad out there, right? I sent him a picture of it, and it was like, JD, I appreciate it. He didn't have to do that. He was just a good dude. You know what I mean? So I'm going to support businesses that are good people. For sure. And JD is definitely uh, a good dude. Uh, he's great for the scene. We've been very, very fortunate for everything that he's done for uh texas paintball um and just putting his money where his mouth is as well and building the field of dreams from the ground up brick by brick and being the first one to do it right mm. like not copying it like other fields will do listen jd's the biggest guy right people will see his success and imitation is the highest form of flattery right they will imitate what jd has done that's okay jd understands that's part of the business but yeah i mean Got to give the guy credit. I'm going to work with people like that. And I'm going to work with everybody. I'm not here to like, like I said, no politics. I hope if there's other smaller leagues in Houston and stuff that we can work with and not be a feeder, but just, hey, man, you know, here's an entry there to help your top team come play here. You know what I mean? Not that we need that one team. They're going to have to graduate up to our league at some point. Just working with all the field owners, right? Absolutely. And the Texas scene is a very large scene and it's constantly being referred to as the Mecca, like the current Mecca of paintball. Uh, and uh, another league in Texas, the Bunker Fest series has been pulling large numbers of teams. And Chris Rangel has gone on record saying that Bunker Fest, like the Bunker Fest model takes a lot of inspiration from the West Coast Paintball Players League model. And he also said that 
in our uh, last episode for our one year episode, uh, he said that he wants to like there's like a perceived war between the USXBL and Bunker Fest, and he wants to avoid that between the two leagues. So do you feel like Texas is in a spot where they can support two major regional series? And we'll tell. I mean, I think we all want an honest answer on why the date got moved onto the XTPL date, which if you're going to be fair as the guy that does these shows, you got to be honest and say the answer was complete bullshit. It wasn't an honest answer because the MSXL or WCP, like, fuck out of here. We all know why that move was done. And, you know, do what you got to do, man. But I think if, if we all want to work together and not have a war, don't have a war. Do it the weekend before. Do it the weekend after. Whatever. Doing it on the same weekend. It doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter what he says. And it doesn't matter what JD says. But the players out there, what did they say? Because right? I don't have a horse in that situation. He didn't put it on my date, right? He put it on their date. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, come on, man. No, I, I agree with you 100% that, that that move was not good for not good for anyone really except for all i'm saying is let's just get a straight answer honest straight answer why it was put on the xtpl date come on man if so in your own there's no war i don't know how much more we need to go to war than that you know what i mean like you're making teams make a choice and what was interesting was bunker fest was the weekend i believe before USXBL Memorial, right? Yes. There was teams that played both. There are teams that have the financial wherewithal to play both. So just don't put them on the same, right? FSU does. They send two to ours in each division, two to his. Totally cool. Why put it on the same weekend? I just, I... You moved your date, right? You moved it on top of that one. It wasn't like JD put it on top of that one. You moved Mm. your date specifically on top of that. So again, I, and again, it's not my deal, but you know, we would all be lying to say we didn't read what was going on. So and I, all the message boards, all the chats, like, like pro and cons, right? Like there's Bunker Fest, his like cult of guys that are his vet militia guys that are always supporting and hyping his stuff up. Let's be honest about it. And there was other people asking straight questions, but people that ask straight questions by other people, not saying by Chris, by other people were like constantly being sniped at, right? Like it was like very snarky about it. And it's like, why not just be honest? Fuck it. We wanted to go heads up with JD and them. Cool. But you can't say one thing and do another. Didn't pass the smell test. So my question for you, so that uh, Bunker Fest did change their date for their third event to be on top of XDPL. Um, do you, I guess, what is the relationship between, uh, you and the USXBL and XTPL? Are they, do you view, like, is it all basically the same people doing, uh, the two different things or what is the relationship there? I mean, I, JD's my friend. That's what it is. JD calls me and says, Hey Mike, Sarah and I are heading out of town. Boys are leaving too. We need somebody to come pick up the dog shit on the side of the house. Cause I'm pulling up, right? Like he's my friend. He's helped me. We help him. We want to see the XTPL do good, right? We want to see Bunker. Like, we really don't. We run four events. We're not trying to run 12 events a year as USXBL. We're not trying to be in everybody else's thing. We're trying to run our best events and move on with it, right? So we want to see the XTPL do good. 
Because again, I think everybody out there must agree there's a three-layer system in paintball. Mm. Local, regional, national. Local is when events are at one field. Right? A local. Mm. Then you have regional in that region. And then you have guys that graduate and move out. Some people never really want to move out, right? They just want to play paintball with their friends a couple times a year on the weekend. Like WC, we have blind layouts. Guys don't have to practice. They show up. It's like beer league paintball. It's super competitive, but they can show up like Regime, one of our top premier teams. These are from Northern California, Arizona, Nevada. They all just fly in for the event, walk the field. The guy prints on their teams like a UFC fighter. They just show up and play paint, and they have fun playing paintball together. Sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. That's the model that makes a little more sense. But with us and XTPL, like if they need anything from USXBL, from Mike Hinman, from WCPL, we're going to be there. I mean, to be totally fair with that, Geo and Giant, once I bought it out, called and asked me to do an event there next year too. On my kids. I'm not going to go into Chris Rangel's backyard and like throw an event at the same place he throws an event. Not because I don't like Giant, because it's just, it's a punk move. Maybe other people on the other side of the fence do stuff like that. I don't do stuff like that. You know what I mean? I've mm. got like, we have been, I mean, we're going to SC Village also out here, Giant, which will be renamed, I think, in the next month or two in Texas that'll go under a new brand name. But we were asked to go to that field. Not that we won't ever go to that field. I'm just not going to do it while Chris is there, if that's his base of operations. Because why? Because we just need more drama? Pull the car over, let me out. I don't need any part of that. Right, for sure. And uh, for everyone listening, like just where my stance is, like, yes, I have been historically pro Bunker Fest. And like... Nothing wrong with that. A, like... You know, there's nowhere else for me to play besides the NXL. Uh, so that's that's kind of where that is. And yeah, I just want to. About it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we all back a situation. and We need clear answers on it, right? Right. And I'm not saying like, I, I don't feel attacked at all. Like, I, I feel like that these kind of conversations are definitely needed. And uh, ultimately, like what I would love to see is Texas become the like undisputed best region in the country with the top teams, top players. And, you know, I would love to see, and a part of that being, Hey, how are we going to see the, the best opportunity for all of these uh, teams and players to grow within the region? So I can guarantee you next year, we will have an event. We'll have West coast teams at it in Texas guaranteed. I can't guarantee how many come out, but there will be more money given away at that one event next year than has been given away in any of these other events, mine included. Sweet. Well, we're looking forward to that. And uh, a lot of California teams are going to be uh, leaving with empty pockets, I think. I mean, you're talking about D3. You know, we have a whole nother division on top of that. Oh, I mean, Premier Division, like Texas just isn't there yet to be able to support a Premier like D2, D1 division. I think there's like maybe two teams that could uh, compete out of Texas, but we're just not there yet in terms of the, the upper division teams. But I think D3 and below Texas has got it. But I and mean, we'll that's, that's the goal is for uh, Texas to be able to fill that from top to bottom, which I know I that mean, takes time. You look like FSU has done really good in D4. That team is crazy stacked, right? Mm-hmm. They'll be playing D3 next year. They've done so good. They're all, whoever's on that's all moving up, right? I mean, those, that team is full of former D3, D2 players. No, it's not a knock. It's interesting, though, right? Because you run into another issue in Texas. Is that with USXBL, 
Conquerfest and other leagues, if they're through APPA, we're going to have a lot of teams rank up next year. And we saw quite a few rank up this year. Well, because four scores, right? Top one doesn't count the next three do. Like my league where we have four events and that's it. You have one bad event in there, you're not ranking up, right? Top score doesn't count. You have a bad one, bottom half of the teams, you don't rank up. This was so many events. Not in a bad way. I, it's interesting to see. It's just right. from the outside, because any APPA event with 10 teams or more, it's the same points as an NXL if it wins. X-Ball, not five-man. Definitely. And just with the amount of events that we're playing here in Texas, there's more opportunity for them to like get those three or four good scores for you to rank up. Like My team played 10 events last year, and that's not an uncommon thing here in Texas. And uh, just this past hey. year, you saw... The Titans, you saw Tribe, you saw Greed and Avarice, both of their uh, lines hit D3. Um, Shut Up or Trying has lines top to bottom from D2 all the way to D5. Uh, the Austin Hypnotic Camp has a team in D3. So you've got like six to eight teams in Texas that just hit Division 3 just from yeah. last year. And I'm sure the number will be the same next year, right? Definitely. So uh, I guess I... Another follow-up question to our question about uh, you know having multiple major regional leagues in Texas. Do you feel like um, a that Texas can have both of them, but also like do you feel like those leagues should differentiate themselves from each other to bring different experiences to the players and teams, or do you think it's going to eventually be like one league just has a better product than the other? They both do the same things, but one's just better. I mean the other. What would how can Bunkerfest and USXBL differentiate themselves? And I'm not being sarcastic. Mm. Does Chris going to go to seven man or ten man? Because if we're doing the X ball format, right, it's right. hard. It, it's hard to do it differently, right? Like I'm not. He can use a car wash. I can use an X. He can use a mini X. I can use a fucking whatever bunker size. But at the end of the day, the format. And, I mean, there's talks at the top level of changing the format, right? Ideas being thrown around. I don't see how anybody can change the format because people want this. I mean, it could be things like blind layout versus not blind layout, or maybe the divisions that are focused on like, uh, you know, it could be a couple of different things that I could see, but I mean, there's, I guess there's not much wiggle room in there. It's just, you know, like Chris in the past when he was out here more would do like a seven man toys for tots. Great idea. Right. People still wouldn't support it. Oh, yeah, seven man, dude, seven. We're going to go to Denver. We're going to do seven man. We'll support it. At the end of the day, everybody says one thing and does another one. So that's really difficult, especially when you're guaranteeing big cash prizes, right? Mm. I mean, best intentions, and I mean that, but it just, bro, I've seen it. I laugh about the seven man thing. Every time somebody says, I'm going to do seven man, even the NXL, right? Like there's like five teams in seven man. But I don't know. I don't know how. Like we said, we're going to do the three man young guns. Chris does young guns. I think mm -hmm. we're going to do the beginner three man. I just feel like that three man beginner makes a lot more sense because a lot of us started like with a dad, a couple friends, right? Like back home in California at ASG, I see it. Right? There's a dad and his kids, and there's they have high end guns. They just look under that airball field and they're like, man, we want to get over there. They just can't make that crossover, right? So by having a division for them that's safe for them to play in for a season, not getting dunked on by, because even like D5 out in USXBL or Bunkerfest, it's difficult, right? Like it's not, 
a bunch of like beginners like that can't shoot left-handed. Oh yeah. Like they're seasoned vets in D5. Yeah, Texas uh, Division 5 and D- v- Division 4 are absolute bloodbaths. Like our Texas Titans D5 team that won the first Bunker Fest event this year. They were essentially our D5 practice squad last year. They played two or three events. They played a uh, NXL D5 five man, their first event ever. They made Sunday. Uh, they played one X ball event and USXBL D5 X ball, their first X ball event. A couple of those players, first event ever, they go three and one and make playoffs. And that's the, that that's almost what's required in order to win events here in Texas. And it's just, it's so tough. And I think now that there are more uh, divisions like being offered at the very top to alleviate some of that pressure so that especially in division four teams can rank out of that and go compete in the higher divisions. It uh, makes it so that some new faces are winning these events. Like in, in what I believe should be like more introductory divisions like division four up until what two three years ago was the intro to x-ball division like d5 x-ball didn't exist until 2019 or 2020 and now (laughs) divisions are tough too right because we just keep adding more and then within a year or two those divisions are full of like really good players tough you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but for us it's that's our focus, right? Running good events. I'm not going to limit it to one field. If we need two fields or if we need a field and a half, which means we do two, you can't grow something by limiting it, right? For There's sure. other facets of industry, like other businesses I own that specialists can come in and be like, Mike, you need this many accounts. That's your sweet spot, right? In your current formula. But for us to grow this game and to make the area of Texas region healthier, we need more teams playing paintball, period. And not that's not a throw a stone throw at anybody else. I think the USXBL knew they were going to lose teams this year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, let's go down to one field, let's maximize whatever the amount of teams we can have, and that's it. Definitely, I don't disagree with their move. I think it was like they saw what was coming, and so they made the best decisions in order to, you know, maximize the experience, maximize their own, you know, event. And I, I think downsizing was probably the correct move, but. You know, could they have done things in years prior to prevent that situation from occurring? Probably. Probably. <laughs> I'm. Come on, man. I mean, be I'm, honest. In your seat you're in, you got to be honest. I also they, don't have as much insight on behind the scenes things. You know, I just experience it as a player. Why did your team get tired of it? Um, I mean, we ranked out. Totally. Why do other teams that you talk to get tired of it? I. Price per price per case, prices. yeah, but that's changed. So, yeah, but the problem was they did change some things, mm. but the prices didn't go up. That's true. And then suddenly, you know, Bunkerfest comes in offering a new alternative and new numbers, and a lot of changes happened very quickly since then. Yeah. So it's it's a great time to be a Texas paintball player. Oh, right? absolutely, and. Ball. And we've been saying this since the end of last season, saying that the 2023 season was going to be an exciting time in Texas, and it definitely hasn't disappointed. Yeah, the next year will be the same. Like, I don't see this changing. Nobody's going out of business. I'm not. He's not. So, you know, let's get it on. For sure. All right. So looking at some questions in the chat before we wrap this up. Um, let's see. Just scrolling back through. Uh 
Let's see. From Ghost Paintball, he says, Mike, with the acquisition of USXBL and the WCPPL growing larger in some events than the NXL, what do you feel like is the driving force? I, I guess with that question is why why do you think uh, the WCPPL is larger than the NXL? I mean, I think that's got to be an asterisk with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're larger on some of the regional divisions because we're more cost effective. But again, listen, I went to the NXL this last weekend. First time I've been there for about a year, right? I'm looking at the product they have. They, I just don't see how Tom can make it cheaper. right? And the other leagues in Texas throw stones in it, like very submissively at the, at the NXL. Listen, the product, they are selling Mercedes-Benz. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting Mercedes-Benz for Honda Civic prices. National, like I'm, I'm not looking at even just the field playing. I'm looking at all the support staff around them what it would cost right like there's a jasmine she's one of our referees sports staff we have she works for the nxl her ticket from california even a cheap ticket what was it eight nine hundred bucks philly's crazy expensive to fly into rental cars right like she's drop driving refs back and forth it's just an expensive thing for them the nxl could do paintball tournaments they could do circuses they could do any kind of tournament with their level of setup and teardown definitely and they they put on a Who's the big regional leagues, right? I'm the biggest, but mm. Bunker Fest, MVPS, MSXL, don't kid yourself. All of us together would have a hard time emulating and reproducing what the NXL is doing right now. Definitely. Look at the aerial view. We have a quarter million dollars in tents, in fucking tents. Those things are expensive. Those big white ones, they're mm-hmm. expensive. So I just, you know, it's easy for us to talk NXL, but it's an apples to oranges comparison because we're doing it the field level, right? We're supporting the local infrastructure. They're doing it outside. It's just a whole different business model. Definitely. Uh, let's see. Next question from, uh, let's see. Also ghost paintball asking you about the, uh, pro division specifically. So do you think the pros need to move to a smaller format, uh, with maybe more travel to get more eyes on, on, uh, the professional division? I mean, if that's what we need to do, then Go Sports has to do it for free, like PB Access or whatever it used to be called, the TSP rendition of it. It was free, right? Where you could put it on like your Facebook or Instagram, like, hey, check me out. I'm going to be on the pro field this weekend. And back then, our numbers, like the individual IP addresses that we're watching were through the roof. Even Dave Youngblood told me because he owned the PSP and I was coaching the Ironman that year. But the numbers that it was like their World Cup one year had two or 300,000 unique IP addresses, he told me. I was like, that's fucking, that's a big number, nice. right? And he had like country, Ghana, every country was watching it. You're like, man, we've got to be getting pretty close to like somebody caring. And he goes, Mike, we would need to double or triple this number before somebody would really care about what we're doing. Like mm-hmm. even that number is not big enough. So now where we're at, dude, I don't, <laughs> don't see me trying to build up in divisions. You see me trying to build down in divisions. Right. That should be your biggest tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if uh, I guess his part of his question is, do you foresee uh, the professional division like, I guess, separating themselves from the rest of the league there? Oh, they can't afford to. Who's how's it going to what's how do you pay for that? Nope. I just broke down why your division three doesn't make sense for Bunker Fest if there's only mm-hmm. 10 or 12 teams, right? Right. You think the NXL Pro Division makes sense? The amount of like what goes into that without the divisional teams there, 
the divisional, like the NXL Pro Division, rests on the back of the divisional. Oh, definitely. And I think that you see that, like, even at Bunker Fest, like, there's only what 13 14 teams in division three there's 40 teams in division four i guarantee you the backbone is there but like at what point do those players get tired of it the the tough part about that right about Mm. bunker faster you let's just put it on me because i'm not i'll tell chris when i got a fucking problem with him this isn't aimed at him but when you stop and you're like at what point do divisional teams want to go to a national event for 2600 bucks and get like three cheeseburgers for first place. Like it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough for them because there's a lot of staff there's like the, at the top level I'm talking about. I, so I don't, to the question that the man asked or the person asked, I don't see how any of it makes sense. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So let's see, looking at other questions in the chat. Um, uh, from uh, Sanchito Papacito, he asks, will the USXBL continue to be an NXL affiliate league? Uh, good question, right? We would like, like, it would make sense for the players that do both with the ID card thing. But on the other side of it, like, here's the difference with the USXBL. We, and WC, every year I buy new bunkers. Every year. And I don't get a crazy deal on them. Bunkers have gone up by what are they, six thousand five hundred seven grand? If you get like a USXBL or Bunkerfest or for all of us regional leagues, we do not get a deal on bunkers anymore. It was crazy, right? When I sold APX, I was quoted a number on fields. It was below five thousand dollars. Right? I sell it the week before World Cup. A month after that World Cup, five weeks later, I get given another price of fifteen hundred dollars more a set of bunkers. Jeez. I'm like, it, the conversation is so fresh. Like I literally just screenshot that and circle it with the red thing and send it back to them. And I'm like, the prices went up. Like those mini X's and the big X's, we paid a fortune for those things. So for us, we can't give away all the ID card money if I'm buying new bunkers every year, mm-hmm. right? If I'm using the local field bunkers, that's what like the San Antonio event. We will bring in a trailer all of our bunkers and scoreboards and all of our infrastructure to that event that we need for the event. It's even two fields or whatever, who knows what it'll be. But we'll bring everything down there. So for us, yeah, we would like to, but if they don't somehow scratch our back for scratching their back, it becomes difficult. Definitely. Uh, so next question, I think there's one or two more. Um, let's see, do you, uh, also from Sanchito Papacito, he says, do you have a plan to, I guess, unite Texas? For example, there's a, I guess a current situation where Dallas teams don't really travel to the San Antonio events and San Antonio doesn't uh, travel to Dallas events so much or Houston teams kind of stay in Houston. Do you, do you have a plan to get more teams traveling uh, from outside of their local city? I mean, the same as everybody else has, right? Like mm-hmm. before we raised our prices up, Somebody else had done their prizes up and do teams want to travel for that? I mean, our goal is to be a regional series and not just be at one field or even two fields next year. We'd like to be at three, possibly four. Houston's another big city. We have to be mindful and cognizant of Houston and if we can do an event there too. So we would like to. We'd like to have one in San Antonio. We'd like to be in Dallas. That's the goal, right? But what teams do, that's on them, you know? Mm-hmm. Question from uh, Justin Warnock. 
Yes, Mike, what's your order from Chick-fil-A? He already knows. He already, he's been texting me the whole time. Like He literally, let's go to your text here, Warnock. We'll take the capital letter ones out. Um, two's Chick-fil-A salads this weekend. He's getting me, so he already knows. There it is. All right. Uh, I'm too fat to be eating fried chicken. But it's so good, though. It's phenomenal. All right, last question from the chat uh, from Ben Rogers again. Uh, he asks, what is the biggest difference that you see in skill set from semi-pro players to professional? Dynamic ability. When you look at like the diesel guys who played, Nico, Clint, House, Spica, right? J-Rab, like... Now compare them to a counterpart on a semi-pro team. It fits a great team, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I do think, I mean, short of an implosion at World Cup, which who knows, right? Everybody could have a bad event. They should be a pro team. But like that, that step from semi-pro to pro, I've, say that, I've said it for years, it is the biggest step in paintball, and maybe that makes sense. But as a guy that's been there, for us to win our pro spot as a semi-pro team, we needed pro players on the team. Mike Mesa. Rod, guys like that. We needed guys to help us win the pro spot. We could not have done it organically the first year. So that's my answer. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just a dynamic ability of pro players. Like it's like college football. It's, and college football is fun to watch. So semi pro. Man, when you get up to the NFL, that is a college all star game every weekend. For sure. All right. So that does it for our questions in the chat. Uh, this final question I have for you is one that I ask everybody that comes on the show. So this question is brought to us by get that shot. Who's a NXL pro media guy from the Valley uh, message, get that underscore underscore shot on Facebook or Instagram. If you need media coverage at uh, bunker fest, or I believe he's going to the San Antonio USXBLs or at any of the NXL events. So is there anybody in paintball, either teams players, brands, projects, media guys, whoever it is in the paintball scene uh, that have caught your attention lately, who do you think deserves more recognition for what they're doing? That's a good question. Good question. I mean, there's a lot of unsung heroes, right? Like on the media side, thank God for the media people, right? WC, we've got guys stretch and all of them that have been here for years and years doing it. I mean, Media is so important because we don't, even though we have a webcast and Bunkerfest and NXL, we have video there. It's not all, always down on the lower divisional fields, right? And we need the media people catching the story so we know it really even happened, right? Because if not, no pictures, no video, how do you know it even happened, right? So I think that's a huge part of it. And there's a ton of unsung heroes in paintball, right? Like there, there really are. There's a ton of mom and pop people that are in the sport that need more credit teams you know I, I mean divisional teams out at the field every weekend playing paintball like those are the unsung heroes and while we always talk about the top of the christmas tree the star the pros those are that's the backbone of our industry you know without them having fun and dreaming and having those aspirations of being at the top we probably don't have this thing anymore right pro division can't sustain itself but without them, you know, those are the unsung heroes, the dads, the moms, the people that are busting their ass to take care of their kids and let them. I mean, as much as we're trying to target the 
WNXL and the this and the that. Not that all those players don't, but the base of our sport still has to be young men coming into it, right? Mm. Yourself, how old were you when you started? I was 18. Probably. And usually with that, people like parents are helping out a ton, right? There's a lot of parents out there supporting these kids that are playing our game. Those are unsung heroes. The parents that are on the sidelines cheering for their kids, right? Mm-hmm. Dad used to do it for me. So there's a ton of them. I mean, in the pro division, uh, not really, you know. All Every promoter, right? Every promoter out there. Every Texas promoter, Chris, right? Like, no matter where it all ends up, he's done a great job to – paintball in a better place you know so there's a lot of good things that happen in paintball right it doesn't have to always be negative it doesn't have to be a war all the time it doesn't have to be a knife fight absolutely ghost paintball in the chat says uh the correct answer was tracy tracy gets a lot of credit too she is she's my best friend you know what i mean she definitely helps out a ton but that's what i mean the gel there's a ton of people at the usxbl clint a ton of people on our side and i'm sure every other league out there that are unsung heroes definitely so, all right it's definitely not me <laughs> everybody wants to do an interview with me and i'm like fuck man with tracy or somebody else right mm-hmm. so there's a lot of great human beings in paintball it's absolutely it's, yeah and not, we all love right not just pros not just pro players not just pro coaches nope it's divisional media like i had clint riddle uh, from Riddle's art on like 20 episodes ago or so he he does like his own paintings of uh of paintball things like he does all the uh I think he's partnered with uh the iconic awards and did all of those posters and he's partnered with Hormesis like stories like that where just people completely doing their own thing uh and contributing to the the community as a whole Boy. so uh this final question is brought to us by Compete, which is Jell Stewart's brand. Message him on Facebook or Instagram. Mention In the Pits for 10% off of your order. So, Mike, uh, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any last shout-outs or things you'd like to say before we sign off? Thanks to everybody that's supported everything I've done along the way. I've had, a, I mean, countless people, friends, family, teams as a promoter, right? I'm always, WC, I always say it. I'm the most humbled by all the teams that support me. Right, whether you went four and zero, zero and four, first place, last place, the, you know, we'll be at an event. We're up at uh, Glen Forester's Field. I'm at Chick Fil A, and guy, I walk in. Another paintball player was there from my league. He had no idea who I was, and he's just like, "Yeah, we're having fun." It's him and his family, right? However, he did at the event, and the guy had no clue who I was, which was totally cool. You know what I mean? But uh, all the people out there that are just having fun playing paintball, man, keep it simple, right? Like, have fun, play paintball. That's why we all got into this. So that's about it, you know? Sure. Play paintball. Uh, so that does it. Uh, thank you everybody watching, uh, for tuning in. Be sure to go follow Mike. That's at Hinman.Michael on Instagram. Also go follow his leagues. That's at play WCPPL and at USXBL on Instagram. So what other guests would y'all like to see on the show? Be sure to leave a comment down below while you're at it. Hit that subscribe button. The show goes live weekly here on youtube.com slash at in the pits paintball podcast. Recordings are posted to YouTube, Amazon, Apple podcasts, and Spotify the next day. I want to give a quick shout out to my partner and sponsor to your subscribers on Patreon. That's FU Athletics, Get That Shot, Paintball Kumite, Compete, Bem Raps, Skull Monkeys Paintball, Uno's Jerky, Hydra, and XTPL events. So we will see you all next week for episode 54 where we will have afg filming who's a 
uh, photographer, videographer that's really, uh, really turned it on this past season. He's a teammate of mine, Don Guerrera of the Texas Titans. He uh, hung up the hung up the paintball marker for this season to really focus on his media game, and he's really stepped up. So we will get him on next week. Uh, Mike, thank you so much.